You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey, what's up, Star Wars fans, and welcome to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors surrounding Star Wars The Last Jedi, Star Wars Episode Nine, the now titled Han Solo film, and Star Wars Battlefront 2, all that cool, exciting stuff coming out in the near future. My name is Tim, and I'm going to be your host for this episode because, unfortunately, Kyle has been a bit busy this past week. He's uh, making a move, so we still wanted to get you guys an episode out because we got some cool stuff and news stories that's been happening since we launched our 100th episode. So we wanted to make sure we got a new episode out to you guys soon. So, But don't worry, I'm not doing this one by myself. I'm not making another Kessel run <laughs> like our fourth episode was. But joining me on this episode is our brother in the force, Mr. Paul Herman. Paul, thank you for joining me. What are you talking about? This is Kyle. What's up? Hey, Star Wars fans. I like the Old Republic, and I like Fighter Squadron a lot. That was terrible. I did it better. I think oh. I think I did it better before the recording. Sorry, Kyle. I botched it. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, guys. What's up? Uh, Tim, thank you for having me on to the, the show. This is uh, it's quite an honor because, uh, you know, I, I became a fan of the show through you. I, can I just really quick tell the story of how I got to know you? That, that no, really, totally. Yeah, go really for Really fast. It. So people need to realize that like Tim was a fan of a podcast I was on, Modern Myth Media. And um, it was really, really – I just want people to know like, what a gem and of, of what a great person Tim is. Tim is one of the nicest, awesomest people going way back to 2012 when uh, he would send me private messages on Facebook saying uh, when I, I couldn't make like a, a certain podcast for Avengers Roundtable. And Tim was like, hey, I was really I was really bummed to see you were on the show because, you know, but, I, you know, it was really cool to hear your, your your small thoughts and, you know, things here and there. And and when I was I got off the show and he had sent me another message saying, hey, man, I miss you on the show. And it was really sweet. Like I always thought Tim was a nice guy. And when he started up uh, the Soccer Continues podcast, I wanted to kind of pay it forward because I know Tim was a good guy. And I'm like, hey, I'll, I should check out this guy's podcast. And I really dug, you know, their their podcast. And because I, I was a huge Star Wars fan and, you know, and Star Wars at that point when you guys started your, your show, it was pretty, you know, you guys were still like, you know, one of the only Star Wars podcasts on the block. It wasn't like there was like a million. There's maybe like a hundred at that point. But now there's a million. So, uh, yeah. Definitely smaller than what it is now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, 
So it was a little, you know, a little more to not as much to choose from. So, you know, it was like, cool. Yeah, this guy has a podcast. And I got to, you know, hear Kyle. I'm like, Kyle, guy sounds cool. And got to, you know, kind of through Twitter, we got to know each other. And, you know, people need to realize that me and you do this on a regular basis without recording, you know? So, yeah. And so basically, this actually is a little weird for us, to be honest. Yeah, I have to watch my P's and Q's a little more. As Tim knows, I have a little bit of a potty mouth sometimes. So I've got to be careful. But yeah, but through through Twitter, you know, we just kind of got to know each other and became buds. And then because of our hype, all the hype for episode seven, the Force Awakens, like when they announced it, me, you know, me and Tim started talking like through Skype just to hang out and talk, and we talked for hours about you know speculating about Episode Seven and all that. It's it's nuts. So, you know, we became good friends with Tim, and I just want I, and people need to realize that Tim is just the the coolest, nicest dude in the world, and these I hope people realize how great you are, Tim. And I'm not I'm not just saying that you're a great uh, guy, dude. So it's awesome. Well, thanks, Paul. Awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, at the same time, too, like I said, it's been great. I kind of said this on our last episode, talking about 100 episodes, where, you know, this era of Star Wars, since I started this podcast, it's just been the most fun I've had as a Star Wars fan, like getting, obviously doing the podcast with Kyle, becoming good friends with him, and then just what you said, becoming good friends with you over the course, you know, of just listening to each other's podcasts and then talking to each other on Twitter and then just getting together on Skype. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a really really fun ride these past five years yeah and it's yeah it's great yeah and so and i didn't i didn't get to meet kyle until celebration anaheim and uh, it was really cool because <laughs> you know i didn't know because you don't know if you're gonna get along with people you know and i knew like sure. you were gonna get along we were fine we, we met we met face to face for the first time at celebration but i got to actually hang out with kyle in the line for star wars rebels season two premiere and you know and, and we were in there for quite a while so we got to hang out and got to know him and and I was like, okay, yeah, we're we're all good. I knew we were buds. All of us were buds pretty instantly. We met before that, but like, I mean, we got to kind of bond a little bit more in mm-hmm. line there. So, and then and then all obviously after that, our all of our anticipation for Battlefront was, you know, sky high and and through and through Xbox and the three of us and and other people have kind of became super buds and you know became like we will play battlefront together on a regular basis so yeah that's how that's how i got to you know people that don't know who i am or or whatever that's how that's how i know these guys i've played battlefront with them a ton and i've I've guest starred here and there on the show you know i've 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 invited myself on once maybe (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah you've been invited a few times came on by yourself once. yeah i I was like i I think it was a rogue one trailer i was like hey uh can i jump on this one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys are like sure you know so i by the way thank you for letting me do that so anyway i just want to uh, it's always a good time when you join us yeah so, thank yeah, you thank no you. worries on that thank you. so anyway, i just want to let listeners know this is why i'm on the show that's why I'm, i know everybody so that got that out of the way in case i never brought it up which i don't think i ever had <laughs> yeah the origin story has been told exactly <laughs> no but yeah cool again thanks for joining me on this episode it worked out good so uh you know, it's funny just thinking about how before going into this month, how amazing like the month of October is going to be for Star Wars. And we already got the Battlefront 2 beta. We had mm-hmm. the amazing Last Jedi trailer, which, of course, we talked about for four hours on our 100th episode. That was so. epic, by the way. That was epic. And then, but yeah, it was lots of fun. All I have to say this, too. Like, you guys got so emotional at the end. Like, I got I was getting like. 
I was like, man, this is like, this is kind of touching. Like, it really, it was funny. I think one of you guys said it was, it almost felt like it was your last episode, even though it wasn't. Yeah, it was Kyle said yeah, that. Kyle yeah, Kyle was like, it's almost, it almost like, it, it, I, I sounded like it's our last episode. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, no kidding. I'm like getting all emotional. Yeah. I'm just like, please, you guys. But no, that was an epic, that was a great podcast. You know, that's one of the things I love oh, about thanks. your guys' show is that, you know, people who don't, people who podcast with me know they can't shut me up. So like know if I'm on your show like you're double your time probably or at least like you know add like mm. forty minutes at least you know to it so you know when when uh, you guys go for like four hours I'm like I'm like you guys do me proud <laughs> <laughs> man I can only imagine what it would have been if you were on that well, episode with us like, it would have been an eight hour, eight hour yeah, podcast it been a full workday <laughs> podcast you guys would have been like yeah. hit play at the start and then would have hit end when <laughs> when you left so. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll get there. <laughs> well, the marathon. We'll marathon for, for Star Wars one day. Yeah, we'll have to do like a marathon episode dissecting all three movies of the trilogy once episode nine comes out or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> that would be uh, something to do. Maybe, maybe something for like charity. We could like raise money for like podcasting that long or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. That, yeah, that'd be awesome, actually. Yeah, something to think about for the future. Something for the future. But, the future. Yeah, so after getting that last Jedi trailer, I mean, I will say nothing's probably going to top that this month of Star Wars <laughs> as far as all the awesome stuff we're getting. But it continued on after that. We've got some, you know, cool news announcements, uh, mm -hmm. some not so good news announcements, and then Star Wars Rebels came back. So we're going to be talking about all that stuff on this one. So uh, first up, the first bit of news that we got officially was on October 17th, we finally got a name for the untitled Han Solo movie. And... I don't know if you could have guessed what it was going to be, Paul, but <laughs> it will be titled Solo, A Star Wars Story. And I did like, I got to say, I got to like the way it was revealed. I mean, we've been following Ron Howard on social media, Twitter and Instagram with him tweeting out and posting these awesome behind the set uh, pictures from the movie, sometimes giving us some cool little teases and stuff to speculate on. So I thought it was appropriate for him to, you know, make a short little video on Twitter of him revealing the title uh, for the Han Solo movie. So... Uh, I actually got to start getting used to calling it Solo now. <laughs> I'm still used to calling it the Han Solo movie. But mm -hmm. I thought it was a cool way to reveal it. And at the same time, my feeling on it, I'm not surprised that it is that because I personally think there weren't too many options they could go with for this movie. <laughs> I thought it was going to be either you know Han Solo, a Star Wars story, or Solo, a Star Wars story. Didn't, didn't think it would veer too much uh, from that. But I will say I was a little... Uh, or I was wondering, I should say, if the Star Wars story tagline would still be used for the Han Solo movie. Because part of me was thinking, since they're taking so long to reveal the title for it, maybe they are going to go something different with not calling it a Star Wars story like they did with Rogue One. So that's the only thing that I kind of questioning is what took so long for them to reveal this title? Mm. If it was just something as simple as Solo and something that a lot of people were speculating that it would be anyway and it still had the Star Wars story uh title in there as well so uh that's the only thing i'm questioning on why, why it took so long mm -hmm. when it was something so basic but at the same time too uh it's kind of what i was expecting and i think it's fine but yeah what do you think on it Dalton? well i got a couple of things about it first of all it's a very unoriginal boring title but is, is, will that have any bearing on the actual movie no i mean it really won't and I like you. Sure, yeah. I, I really like the the introduction to the movie um, or the title. I, I think Ron Howard has saved this movie already, um, just mm -hmm. by the oh, fact you know, just by how he's been really open with the fans. He's had a lot of fun with it. He's shown little teases. Um, 
he looks it looks like he's having a lot of fun and i think that definitely yeah. i mean in retrospect it may be it may it may, i mean i would i would like to think that he came in and and already saved this movie just based on everyone's i think everyone's a little more excited about it i think there's still like the people who are like grumpy or who are saying i don't need this movie you know whatever i, I I'll yeah take- we still get Every time we get big news about the solo movie, we always get those reactions from people. Some some fans, like I say, all of them saying, "Oh, I don't care, or why right. is this needed?" Well, but we know they're all going to see it. Yeah, too. <laughs> right, right. Well, mo- yeah, we we hope so. But here's the thing: the Han Solo movie is it like, is it the most exciting Star Wars movie? No, but Rogue One was kind of like. I'll be honest: when I first heard the premise, I'm like, eh, so, I mean, eh, whatever. And I love Rogue One now; it's one of my favorite Star Wars movies. So I, I just want. I want to see it in context. I think it's going to be a fun movie. Um, do I think it's going to be one of the best Star Wars movies? Probably not. But that, but that does not doesn't mean it won't be great and fun. So I, I think it's going to be a really fun movie. It's not going to be as impactful, I think, as Rogue One and, and The Force Awakens, and po- probably The Last Jedi. But I don't think it mm-hmm. needs to be. I think it needs to be a fun movie that people can, you know, will enjoy themselves at. And I think it's going to do that. I really do. And um, anyway, back to the title. Um, you know, I just think that it's it's kind of, they could have done something a little bit more, uh, you know, traditional. Like, I love the old uh, Han Solo uh, book titles. I haven't read them, or I read them like one, like, mm-hmm. like the first one I think when I was a kid, and don't remember anything about it. Um, but like, I like Han Solo at Stars End, like a more like you know, kind of classic uh, pulpy title. I just I, yeah. I think that would have been a little bit more interesting. But at the same time, I think. That's for me, not for the mainstream audience. And, I, and and that's the thing. These movies, all the ancillary material, like the books, the comic books, and all that jazz, like that's for me. Like that's aimed at me. So they they wanted to aim at – that's the stuff that, that that's aimed – that Lucasfilm wants me to consume and is interested in, in making sure I'm happy. Not me personally, but like you know, us as fans, the hardcore fans. Now, mm-hmm. the films are not made for us. The films are made for everybody. So they've got to include everyone – and they have to make it as simple for everyone. Now everyone's gonna get. Now everyone's gonna be into like Han Solo and the Kessel Run or something like that. Like even though that's not a very good title, but something like that would be, I think, sure, better. Yeah. You know. But um, you know, I, I think that in, when I when I when I know that like a Star Wars story, it's a Solo a Star Wars story. It's not great. I'm not into it. But at the same time, I I'm really excited about the movie. I'm more ex- even more excited now that Ron Howard's taking over and he's and he's really done a great job. I think of of selling the movie even more than it was, you know, I, I think people are still, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to change their minds with it with, with Ron Howard, but yeah, I, as far as the title goes, I think it's, it's, it's not a great title, but it doesn't have to be, it needs to be something that's very straight to the point that people will understand. Totally. Yeah. And it makes sense why they went with solo a star Wars story. And I totally agree with what you were saying about, you know, if possibly like having a title similar to those old Han Solo books. And that just kind of goes to what I was saying a little earlier, as far Mm -hmm. as me thinking maybe it would be something like that since it took so long to reveal it. And maybe they were just, you know, and maybe they were thinking of something like that. And that's why it did take so long. They were, you know, deciding which way to go. And they ultimately, you know, went to, I guess the more simple approach and what worked for rogue one, having the star Wars story tagline on there as well. But um, another good thing I was glad to see in this press release for it. I mean, Ron Howard made tweeted out the video, and then there's a Star Wars Star Wars dot com posted on their official website, and it still said May twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. So I don't know. It's there's still a part of me that thinks 
it is possible for it to get pushed back, but we're now just, you know, a few months away <laughs> from the movie coming out. It seems like they're set on having making that release date. And, of course, anything can happen. Maybe in post-production they'll find out they need to postpone it a little bit. But still glad to see that that May 25th release date is still sticking because mm. I've said this before how I'm really excited about the prospect of getting two Star Wars movies <laughs> just six months apart from each other. Weird. <laughs> to me, that's just super weird. weird but awesome at the same time where after we walk out of The Last Jedi and after we see it a few times and it makes its theatrical run, we're just a few short months away from the haunts or solo a Star Wars story. So I think that's right. awesome. I, and it just gets me thinking too, where are we going to possibly get a trailer sometime mm, soon? This, I mean, are we going to get one this year or mm, pretty early on in 2018? Because there's that not much time left to release the, you know, typical amount of trailers we get for these movies. I mean, if they're going to wait for 2018, we're going to get two trailers probably pretty, you know, right. uh, close to each other. So I'm interesting to see if we are going to get one, maybe right before The Last Jedi or not. Something to keep an eye out, I would yeah. think. You know, I, I think that to kind of go back a little bit what you were talking about before about the release date, you know, I was asking the same thing, and, and I was a little surprised, or I'm, I'm surprised they've kept that date. So just to, you know, kind of reaffirm this, it's interesting that Ron Howard must have saw the footage when he took over and said, you know what, this is what I'll need to do. But I want again. I, I gotta wonder if the action scenes or that that Phil and Chris uh, Miller, um, mm-hmm. Phil Lord or whatever. I know they're not brothers, or but you know what I mean. The the directors before sure, yeah. <laughs> um, that the, all the action scenes, you know, that probably are really you know crucial. Um, they are just gonna use those scenes still, and then you know he just reshot different, you know, more the the more. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The quieter scenes, if you will, or the kind of more of like the character moments. Char- you, thank you, thank you. Character moments, perfect. So I'm wondering if if that's what they're retooling more than anything. And if that's the case, then they probably don't. They like just they. That's why they, they didn't move the the date out. And plus, they you know someone brought up a good point. Uh, Andy Indiana Jedi on Twitter brought up a good point, saying they won't move it because you know it's tied to all this other material. It's going to come out around May, and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty late. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, true too. yeah I think they could still they, they could have done it still, but I think it shows how much they they had it completed that, that they thought they could use, and and also the fact that Ron Howard reshot the movie for a long time. So it's interesting. Um, as far as uh, you know. Uh, as far as I'm sorry, we were talking about the release date. I told you, yeah, the release date. And- no, the the speculated about a possible trailer. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm that's sorry. on the way. I soon. couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't remember the second part. I, I went on a tangent. <laughs> sorry. So I, I, I'm I'm struggling on podcasts. I'm, I don't mean to, Tim. I'm sorry. No. Um, as far as a trailer, <laughs> I think it has. You have to put one in front of um, uh, the Last Jedi, and I know. It's not they didn't do that for any of the, the other Star Wars films, but the only the main difference is this one comes out six months or is it six months from Christmas? Yep. Mm-hmm. So if it's six months from from the Last Jedi, I think you kind of owe it to the audience to you know put a trailer out there. I mean, I think by that point, because I don't think they release it until like mid December, like literally right before the movie come uh, last Jedi comes out. So that way people yeah. don't get confused. You don't, you know, you're not, conf- you're not uh, taken away from it. Cause I know that's part of the problem with before you don't want to confuse the audience and get them all kind of what, but th- if you release the trailer right before, um, 
you know, the movie comes out, everyone's already going to made their plans to see the last Jedi. So, and, and plus you need to start promoting the movie at that point, six months away. You got to start letting people know exactly this movie's coming out. Yeah. I wonder if they'll do something too, where it's kind of where the premiere, like the trailer will debut when you see the movie, kind of something like they did with uh, Deadpool two in front of Logan yeah. earlier this year. Where yeah. It kind of came out of nowhere, but there was kind of hints that there might be something. So I, think I wonder if they'll do something like that. Yeah, I think it's going to be released like a few days before. So it comes on the internet and then everyone, you know, gobbles it up. And then they, and then that way they can kind of build, they can build off of it from The Last Jedi. Cause like, like you said, they're going to have to start promoting this film a little bit, like start letting the audiences know. And I think what better way than when everyone's sitting in for, you know, for The Last Jedi. But at the same time, I thought they'd do the same thing for The Force Awakens. But the only difference is that's a year, that was a year away. This is only six months away. So, I, exactly. I'm gonna go ahead and bet uh, bet what a, a gentleman's bet that that's gonna happen. I would expect to see a Han Solo trailer, so that's my opinion. I would I would agree too, but man, I've been wrong <laughs> for the Last Jedi and their trailer yeah. releases this year. Yeah, same, me too. I've been totally well. Well, you know, I I will, we have talked before, you know, off air um, that I think I told you that you know I bet it follows the Force Awakens um, trailer release schedule. Didn't I, and maybe I'm wrong. Did I? I swear I told you that. And yeah, you're yeah, because I was on the side thinking that oh, it's going to follow the Rogue One yep. trailer release schedule. And I, because yeah. you know, Force Awakens was, you know, the first movie in this new era of Star Wars and they did something different with that by releasing the mm-hmm. first teaser a year out in 2014 and then once we got Rogue One, I thought, okay, that's going to be, you know, the standard pattern that they'll follow following up every movie after that because you know that's how it's going to be now since we're in this groove now of getting star wars movies mm-hmm. every year yep. but nope <laughs> they just went the force awakens route minus a teaser a year beforehand and i think that's strategic because they, they've they've built it up now everyone knows like the force awakens and and those characters are so well known now that they want to have it be an event when they release a trailer whereas with rogue one i think that they had again you, you're, you're promoting something that's totally different you know, I mean, mm. you already have an audience with the, the saga films, with the standalone films, it's different. So that's what and, and when I when they released a trailer at, at Celebration, I was like, you know what? I bet they don't. I bet they wait till October. I think I remember even telling you that like, I bet they wait till October, mm. which I was not happy about. I I still don't understand. What, why don't they release a trailer for Forest Friday? Like, I just don't get it. Like, I, I think like it makes sense. Like everyone's buzzing, all excited. They go out and spend more money. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what I don't, I mean, everyone, everyone, yeah, like, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I just know the reasoning why, because, you know, they want to keep, you know, Take everyone up. talking about Force Friday, about Force Friday and the merchandise. But I agree with you. If you release a trailer that yeah. like the day before or that day, it's going to get you more excited mm-hmm. and more people to go, oh, this looks awesome. Let's go out and buy the toys now. Yeah. That stuff. I, I remember I had a, a, a guy, he said he, he has a, a degree in advertising or something or marketing or some crap like that. And he was like, you would never want to do that. It's a bad idea. And I'm like, whatever, you're wrong. You're dumb. And then I ended up being wrong. So, you know, <laughs> and, and but, but I still, but you know, in my, yeah. in my own. Again, yeah, we're not in charge of that stuff. So yeah, not, <laughs> I don't have it. They obviously stuff. know what they're doing. Yeah, they obviously they do. I mean, but at the same time, I'm like, wouldn't they makes more sense if you want to like it's like you're basically a commercial to sell toys when you put the trailer out so it's, like, it's you know whatever guess i'm wrong i don't I have no idea what i'm talking about so yeah well, that's why we're not in charge <laughs> but it should be 
<laughs> so yep, yeah, that's we the story on Solo, a Star Wars story. We finally have a title for the. I, like I said before, I'm probably still gonna have to get used to calling it Solo, a Star nah. Wars story, <laughs> other, <laughs> other than the Han Solo film. I think uh, I think I've I've seen some other shows. And I kind of agree with them. They kind of all call it, they're just going to call it like untitled film. <laughs> they still want to call it yeah. <laughs> Han, the untitled Han Solo film. I'll just call I'm just going to call it Han Solo. I'm not going to call it Solo. It's too weird to say that. It's like, I don't it's, know. It's it's funny. I think a lot of fans had the exact same reaction Han Solo did in The Force Awakens. They go, did you just call me Solo? It's like, yeah. do you just call this movie Solo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I, you know, it's kind of weird because there's a this is really random. There's a Marvel character named Solo. He's like a mercenary with machine guns, mm-hmm. and I just I just feel weird like calling Han Solo Solo. I, and that's why I thought it was weird. I laughed so hard in the movie the and Force mm, yeah. because I never call him Solo. I call him Han Solo. Even though like Jabba goes Solo, what a world Solo, and he calls him Solo. Yeah, and even when you're just. I refer to him by one name. It's usually just Han. Yeah, uh, exactly. I know me and other fans I talk with just refer to him as Han. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I don't. I'm probably all gonna. I'm always gonna call it the Han, the the, the Han Solo film. But whatever. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Either way, I think people will know what we're talking about when we say that. Awesome. So, <laughs> or maybe by May we'll finally get used to it once the movie goes out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Also, another cool thing we got uh, earlier this week actually on October 24th. Um, USA Today had a new interview with Ryan Johnson that they put up, but also a new behind-the-scenes video that was a nice surprise. And I got to say, I was I was really happy about this because once we got the Last Jedi trailer, I was expecting, okay, just another, like a matter of time now, like a week or two before we get the international trailer, kind of like The Force Awakens. And I believe Rogue One had an international trailer not too long after as well. I might be wrong on that, but... Um, I was thinking we'd probably get one sooner rather than later, and that's going to be, you know, have some of the same footage, but also be cut differently where there's going to be new footage as well. And I'm kind of thinking, man, that Last Jedi trailer was so amazing and so perfect. It's enough for me to, you know, where I don't need to see any more footage from the movie, but I know I'm going to if they release it. So I would kind of prefer it if they don't. So I was preparing myself to get another international trailer and see some more footage. But I think this is a great idea just to give us another cool behind the scenes video and it is kind of similar to the one we got at uh d23 earlier this year uh, but there's some also some cool new stuff in there as well um one of my one thing i noticed about it this behind the scenes video as cool as it was you know seeing or hearing ryan johnson talk about it i just loved the line where he said at the beginning where you know getting choked up when he was on you know walking through the set of the millennium falcon and just what that means to him as a kid growing up a fan of star wars and you know feeling that emotional once you get on set and seeing this stuff so all that was awesome but then i i can't say surprise i was just um i don't know i guess curious they showed a lot of snoke's throne room in Mm -hmm. that behind the scenes video Mm -hmm. and you know that was one of the big reveals in the trailer once we see snoke in his throne room force choking or force paralyzing ray there force paralyzing Kind of what like Kyle Ren did, <laughs> like to the uh, okay, extreme. Okay, no, I didn't even think about that. Uh, but that is force paralyzing. I like that. I just and I, okay, I like that. Yeah, so I don't, I'm sure there's really no big significance to it, but that was something I just noticed right away. Kind of, mm-hmm. they showed a lot more of Snoke's throne room now that we've seen it in the trailer. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, um, this probably won't shock you, Tim. I actually haven't seen the actual video because I'm avoiding yeah, I... everything as much as possible. 
Um, I can understand why. Yep. Now, <laughs> well, hopefully I didn't spoil anything no, 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 what no, I was no. talking about. <laughs> no, because, because the, you know, the thing is people still posted pictures online. So I got to see, I got mm-hmm. to see a lot of the stuff. So, um, but which is fine. I don't mind seeing like stills of things cause that's whatever, you know, but, um, the throne room, the video or the, the shots that I, that people like grab from the throne room is very interesting. Like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work to be honest. Um, it's a little, I don't know. I, do you know what I mean? I, I, it's just the last Jedi, like from a visual standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Like the red backdrop is really mm. wigging me out right now. And yeah, it, it definitely took you by surprise in the trailer a little bit. We were talking about that when there was just that shot of Kylo Ren mm-hmm. dealing, right, like right. picking up the lightsaber. But at the same time, once we got to that moment of Snoke with Ray in the throne with the trailer, I thought it looked really cool. And this, you know, we all know Red's the theme of this movie, so no, <laughs> uh, it looks like that might be where it plays a bigger role in throw or Snoke's throne room there. Which you know, here's the thing: I don't, I don't want to say like that it's it's a bad different but it's different and i think that's yeah i think that's what this movie's going to be this movie's going to be very different for star wars fans and i you know we're here we see the rumors on you know online that you know people people who have seen this film are saying it's like very very different and you know and i it, it's funny because i see people on on you know on like jedi council and 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 they're just like they're we're assuming this movie's going to be amazing and i'm like you know, like what happens when this movie is just like so out there and so different that it just, you know, I, I've been saying for a long time, I think I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but like I, from what we're hearing and what we're seeing, this movie's going to be very different and it might split fandom more than anything. Like, I think it's not going to be totally agree. I don't think it's going to be mm-hmm. a slam dunk, like, like Empire Strikes Back or, you know, I would say Revenge of the Sith is kind of along those lines. I think I think that's predominantly loved by Star Wars fans, majority. If you would ask all the hardcore Star Wars fans, they all would agree Revenge of the Sith is probably a you know one of the better Star Wars films as far as like in you know if you were ranked them, everyone. I mean, most people would probably not again not everyone, but a lot of people would put the original trilogy you know the top three. But I think Revenge of the Sith before The Force Awakens and Rogue One, it was right there with them. So I think it's one of the, you know. So I think when I think of one of the better Star Wars films, I think of like, you know, Empire, Revenge of the Sith, at least for me. And uh, I just, you know, I just don't know that that people are, gonna, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be a prequel like thing, but I think it's it's going to be like people aren't, aren't going to know what to think afterwards. And, you know, at least that's what it seems like, because it's so there's so much stuff going on that, you know, so I don't know. I yeah. uh, I think that the stills that I saw from the behind the scenes, Tim, only def- reaffirmed those things, you know, like like uh. Stone Room and things like that. Like the trailer was amazing. Here's a here's the thing I want to I want a caveat to all this. You know, we're saying that it looks so different, but the trailer was look. It showed it made it was very. I don't think it was trying to hide anything that it was it was it was going to be different. I think it's very. It was it was showing us this is a different kind of film we're going to get. A different look style. Yeah, and they didn't even show everything how it's going to be different. Like we talked about in the last episode, they showed nothing of Canto Bite in right. that trailer yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's going to be totally something yeah. so, unique to it as well. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is that they're not hiding the fact that this is going to be a different, you know, stylized, maybe kind of, you know, in structured film for, well, again, I'm assuming it, 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 there's different, it, it looks different. It feels a little different. And I think they're not hiding that. So I think what this video stills that I've seen 
it's only reinforced that. And I think that, you know, which I'm, 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 that's why, and I think I want people to realize that's why I'm trying to avoid everything because I don't want to get my own assumptions in to everything. I want to, I want to take everything into context because in my opinion, I think people, in my opinion, I think people should avoid trailers and all this, all this TV spots. In my opinion, they should do that because I think this movie is going to be so different that they're going to want there. You should see this movie in the context of the film, not out of context and all these different, you know, splash scenes and things like that. I think people should go in as fresh mm-hmm. as possible for this movie because I think it's, it, it looks, it's looking to be so different. So, you know, that's just kind of, that's what I'm doing. I know my boy Brearley is doing the same thing, you know? So, uh, yeah, I just, I'm going to try to be as pure as possible. I, I'm, I'm avoiding all TV spots, you know, I'm avoiding behind the scenes stuff. I mean, like if a TV spot comes on, like when I'm watching TV, I'm literally going to hit the mute button and close my eyes. Like I'm not, I'm not doing it. Like I want to be as fresh as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say that, or I could do that, but <laughs> there's yeah, going to come a point do it. where I will you. do it now. Be like me and really uh, dude, just when, do it. Once we get to like end of November, when, especially in December, I'm going to do what you're doing as far as TV spots and all that stuff. I'm going to change the channel or mute it because I'm doing that right now for Justice League. They're showing tons of TV spots and revealing way a lot of stuff. Much. Like, nope. Way too yeah, much. Yeah, that's too much. But that's what. But at that's the what same time, did. too. Yes. But at the same time, too, I know Lucasfilm from Rogue One and The Force Awakens, they did a good job, even though there were a lot of TV spots and trailers, they didn't show a lot of the. There were still plenty of surprises in the movies, I thought. They didn't show everything. But at the same time, too, I totally get where you're coming from as well as far as not wanting to stay clear of everything from now. And mm-hmm. just to go back to what you were saying about it probably, you know, going to be split amongst fans or <laughs> there are going to be some interesting reactions once the movie comes out. I totally agree with you. The, everything looks amazing about The Last Jedi, but I when I come out of the theater, I think it's going to be something where, you know, Hopefully, it's. I would have the feeling, well, this was great. This is awesome. I loved all the directions they took with the characters, the stories, and all that. But while I hope I feel that way, I can understand, too, where I could think, oh, this is awesome. But I got to think about a little bit where they took the story or what they revealed about Luke and Ray. And even if I do come out loving everything, I know there's probably going to be some sections of fandom out there that's not going to feel that way. We're already hearing... A lot of you know split reactions about uh, where Luke is at in the, at this point of his life in the movie. So I think it's going to be very interesting the reactions that are going to come out of this. I totally agree with you, you were saying, and I kind of think too where it kind of be might be a little similar to Empire because I mean I wasn't alive when it came out, but just hearing from some people that were that, you know how it wasn't you know the universally praised movie that it is now back mm-hmm. when it first came exactly, out exactly yeah. So, this could be the same situation with The Last Jedi where maybe further down the line and as the year, years go by, those who maybe thought, you know, weren't agreeing with certain things or not sure where they took the story and characters, maybe mm-hmm. they'll come to accept it later on or it'll make more sense after right. episode nine or something. I just think as time goes on, there might be a different reaction to The Last Jedi if it is a movie that right. is very divisive. And, and and just in wrapping this up, I, I have to add this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this to you, and I think we're both going to agree. I think so anyway. Um, this is kind of off the cuff, so sorry, Tim. I had to ask you this. Is, uh, no are you like me and that I, like, I, I haven't been clamoring for this movie as – as much as I, as, as before, like now, not now hold on, just bear with me for a second. So like, 
um, when the trailer came out for the at celebration, I was like, cool, this is great. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of people come kind of underwhelmed by it, but I wasn't as excited for the I have I personally haven't been excited as as normally was for The Force Awakens and as Rogue One because I mean that's I think it's by by does you know just can life get you know gets go goes by and things like that and I was thinking oh, maybe I'm not as excited for this movie as before and I don't know about you but that's how I was feeling until Force Friday hit and then started amped it up a little bit and then all of a sudden with the trailer I'm like this can't I feel like this is the slowest like weeks ever now um it feels like I was like yeah I can wait till December to see this movie and but now I'm like okay I can't I have to see this movie right now I'm, I'm getting like super jazz do you ever say a similar thing or is it are you always been can't wait you know what it's my reaction to everything is kind of what I expect it to be not you know like just chomping at the bit for it, like The Force Awakens, because you know it's only natural. That's the first Star Wars movie we got yeah. over ten years that we were never expecting right. to get. So mm-hmm. I knew already every movie following that isn't going to be at that level, especially once we're going to get it every year. But at the same time, I just I knew once we've got to twenty seventeen and we're going to see stuff from the Last Jedi, that's going to you know get my excitement right back up there, and that's proved to be the case. And I would agree where the first teaser trailer that we got at Celebration, you know, it wasn't the most explosive trailer that knocked you off your feet that going, oh, this is, looks incredibly amazing. It looked great and it got you excited, but it was nothing like this last trailer, I'll say that. But even before we got this trailer, every time we get these little, uh, whether it's these Entertainment Weeklies or Vanity Fair articles about The Last Jedi and we hear quotes from Ryan Johnson and some of the actors, it got me to that excitement level that... I, I, I expect for myself to have when it comes to Star Wars. So, yeah, it's playing out pretty much how I thought I would be. Just Now that we're so close, I'm pretty much as excited for it as I was with The Force Awakens and Rogue One. And the more you see of it, the more I get excited for it. So it's kind right. of playing out, I guess, according to uh, what I foresaw. <laughs> I guess right. if I were to foresee in the Force, this is what it's all yeah. playing out as Palpatine said every time. <laughs> well, it's just funny because I, I really think Force, the Force Friday and the trailer really got me... I, I'm sorry, my dog is eating food behind me. I, I apologize, guys. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I am... I am those two things alone have got me. I'm I'm getting really, really excited for these movies. Um, for this movie, so I'm. And I do, I would agree with that. Where Forest Friday was another moment that just got me. Oh man, it's like Last Jedi is almost here. Yeah, I'm yeah, super yeah. Excited for it. So. I know now because I feel like I waited. I had no problem waiting back. You know, when the when the first teaser came out, I'm like, okay, it's cool. And now and I just you know live life. And now that I've got Forest Friday in the trailer, I'm like, okay. Let's do this. Let's get it out right now. Let's go weeks. Let's go, you know, I mean, we got a lot of cool stuff between now and then, you know, for, you know, whatever. But I mean, it feels like this, this next two months are going to be brutal. So, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be here before you know it, though. <laughs> October is pretty much over and, and hopefully November will just fly by and we'll be right into The Last Jedi, November 15th. So, uh yeah, it should be hopefully something that, you know, while we can't wait for it to get here, still something where we enjoy the ride leading up to it. Because that's always one of the best parts for a Star Wars movie is the lead up, especially when we're this close. And uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, how awesome October's been for Star Wars. It's definitely something I've enjoyed this past month with getting the trailers and all this other 
cool stuff and you know sure more of it's going to come before the movie comes out so yeah i thought this last jedi behind the scenes video was pretty cool and i think i take it over a trailer another trailer right now so i was really happy that we got that and some more cool shots um one other thing real quick about it that i wanted to bring up uh it's nothing really huge or big or spoiler spoilery but uh, i talked about it a few times that shot of chewbacca just uh, sitting by the campfire under the falcon which looks to be octo they showed a little more of that in the behind the scenes video and it kind of looks like it might play out for more of an emotional type scene that kind of i was expecting to because in the behind the scenes video ryan johnson is giving his direction to the actor playing chewbacca and the sound effects is saying you know it's kind of like a sad uh dog or sound wookie or sad puppy slash sad wookie type noise he wanted it to make and it looks like this made me think of that yeah that's going to be uh probably an emotional scene for Chewie and whether he's talking to Luke or Ray or reminiscing about Han there uh just seeing that in this behind the scenes video kind of reaffirmed to me that that looks like something we might be getting at that moment so I like that and then the one last shot that stood out to me was uh seeing this is actually the picture I use for our website to, uh as the main header for it where it's just Ray we see her in her you know her hairstyling as we see what she's going to be in her Jedi outfit for the film and which I assume is going to be, of course, probably later on, but she's holding her staff and not the lightsaber. So I just made me think well, what the context of this scene is going to take place. Cause I would think if she's using her staff, it would be somewhere at the beginning of the movie, but she has the look of, like I said, her new hairstyle and looking more, you know, in her Jedi outfit, but she's still using that staff. So it's a little curious of how's that going to play about if there's any reason whatsoever, she decides not to use her lightsaber. Maybe she loses it. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting to see her uh, looking that way in her new outfit without holding her lightsaber. So uh, those are the shots that I found interesting from the behind the scenes video. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and check it out. Uh, we have it posted on our website and I believe it's finally now on the Star Wars official YouTube page because before it was just exclusive to USA Today, but you should be able to find it on YouTube. So uh, moving on from episode eight in The Last Jedi, we got a little bit of episode nine news. Uh, to talk about, which is, you know, kind of cool since uh, JJ, now correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, JJ hasn't really said anything reg- since he came back to nope. direct episode nine, right? No, I think this, okay. is, this is like, I think, I think this might be the first official quote that we've gotten in public. I think I'm pretty, mm, I'm pretty yeah. positive. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Because when I saw this, oh, this is the first time we've heard JJ talk about it. Like, at least I'm pretty sure. But <laughs> if you're saying it, I, that's probably right and accurate. Then that this is his first time talking about the movie since he announced he was returning to direct and write it. So, um, this, this bit of info comes from Star Wars Newsnet, and uh, there's two there's two separate parts of this from about JJ and Chris Terrio talking about Episode Nine. But um, the first part of it was from BBC Radio 4, where J.J. Abrams and uh, Michael Giacchino did an interview uh, with that station. And they were talking about uh, him coming back to di- direct and write episode nine again. And I'll just read his quote real quick here before we start talking about it. He says, um, they're asking him, uh, well, his quote is, well, it's certainly something that I'm aware of now working on episode nine, coming back into this world after having done episode seven. I feel like we need to approach this with the same excitement that we've had when we were kids loving what these movies were and at the same time we have to take them places that they haven't gone and that's sort of our responsibility it's a strange thing michael's worked on things like planet of the apes and star trek and star wars and they are things of dreams yet we can't just revel in that we have to go elsewhere so 
Yeah, the big thing I took away from this quote right here is where he says, take them to places they haven't gone. And at the end where he says, you know, we just can't revel in the excitement. We have to go elsewhere. And, you know, us as fans on this show and, you know, when I talk to you, Paul, and other people uh, on social media that we interact with with Star Wars fans, we've made it no secret that <laughs> the main criticism of The Force Awakens is, you know, how similar it was to A New Hope in certain areas and not taking enough unique uh uh, choices, whether it's visual or story-wise, kind of the opposite of what we were talking about with episode eight just a few minutes ago. So seeing him say those things like places we haven't gone and we have to go elsewhere, that's exactly what I was hoping for and excited to hear from J.J. Abrams regarding this. And kind of what I, I won't say expected, but what I always hoped would be his mindset going into it. Because as we talked about on our episode when it was this was announced, I just can't imagine this as a creator and a director as a storyteller he would be satisfied with himself just retreading things all over again if you know for episode nine kind of a little similar to what was done in the force awakens and so this reaffirmed to me that i think jj is still the right choice to come back and direct episode nine so i was really happy to see this quotes from him regarding the movie yeah um it's encouraging what he said um publicly you know to uh bbc and, uh, I, you know, I, I want to believe that he will, he's ready to take, to stick the landing with episode nine. Um, I, I'm really, really hoping he will. I, I like the force awakens. I don't love it. Like a lot of people, uh, do. And I know, um, between you and Kyle and me, I'm, I'm the one who's a little more critical of, of I think of that movie. Um, I, I know you guys are, are not oblivious to some of the issues with the movie either but uh and i think we all agree that like he he's him saying this is his first attempt of addressing the the elephant in the room where um you know that he he needs to push this forward and not go backwards now and i think he's kind of said that you know with episode seven you have to go backwards in order to go forwards and right now, this is where he needs to go. He needs to take this movie and go do something different with it and, and put his own take on it with, while maintaining that Star Wars sensibility. And I think that um, I don't I don't know if he'll do it or not, to be honest. I, I just don't know. His his sequels with with being um, it, the movie that he made two movies of being only being Star Trek. He did obviously a sequel for MI3. But that really wasn't really that's that's a little different. Um, but with uh, Star Trek films, you know, I love the first Star Trek movie. I didn't love the second one. And maybe this will be the reversal for uh, <laughs> Star Wars. I didn't I didn't love the first one, but I love the second oh. one. He does. <laughs> yeah, I hope. Right. But no, I just I just don't know if he has. I just don't know. It, it's, it's really hard to say. I think. I think JJ is a solid filmmaker. I don't think he's a great filmmaker. Um, and solid meaning like, he, I think he's good. I, I, solid meaning good. I don't know if he's great. I think he does an adequate job. He does a great impersonation of mm-hmm. Spielberg and Lucas, you know, and emulating those things, but which ended up being the perfect thing for episode seven for the mainstream audience. But, you know, this is, I think, and this is what, one of the things I think is really cool about JJ is that this is his chance to really, you know, show that he left an imprint on star Wars more than just like he brought it back to the mainstream. Cause I think in yeah. his, and, and I don't know if he cares about 
his legacy in Star Wars or if he just wants the, the dollar bills, which maybe it's, it's probably I'd both. I'd like to think he cares. Yeah, no, I, I think he does. And that's why I'm saying that, that I think that I think part of the reason that he took this job is because he wants to show people he can do a, something different and do something more than just emulating a new hope a lot. And I, and I'm hoping that that drives him to do the best Star Wars movie he can, which is, you know, doing something different. So I like to think he, I like to think that he, he can, and he is. So, um, these, 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 uh, comments are encouraging. Are they, um, like, they're totally you know making me feel 100% secure. They haven't done that. I won't feel that way until the first trailer is released and I can really see what, what he's doing with this. So until I see that, I'm skeptical. Hmm. Yeah, that's understandable too. I mean, it's, you know, you can't already make your assumption and opinion on it just by this one quote. So I, I would agree with there, even though, you know, it is something I was definitely glad to see come or hear it come from his mouth regarding episode nine and i just totally agree with what you're saying this is like his movie his moment to shine in a sort of way because he did what he had to do with the force awakens and bringing star wars back to the mainstream and you know knocked it out of the park as far as that goes and the amounts of money it made and how much you know general audiences loved it and even star wars fans too i mean not to go into the whole debate of the force awakens but it just seems almost recently how we're seeing more negativity on it from the hardcore fan bases than positivity but i know there's still a lot of hardcore star wars fans who love the force awakens too it's just you know something that's becoming a little more you know noticeable lately now that we're getting closer to episode eight kind of a little more uh looking back on reactions for episode seven so yeah um but also to go along with that now the other story here from Star Wars Newsnet, this one we got to take with a bit of a grain of salt because this is coming from a Reddit user who, you know, we know Reddit's not the most accurate source of news and information to, regarding films and this news in general regarding all this stuff. So um, we got to throw that out there as a little caveat. But um, this Reddit user said uh, he got a chance to talk with J.J. Abrams and the writer Chris Terrio, and he did have... A photograph with them which you know gives a little more credence to the story so that he actually met them we know that but whether this stuff is what they said you know that's you know the point we got to take a little bit with a grain of salt but if it ends up being accurate it's pretty exciting so i'll go ahead and read what that um report from reddit was uh, the user said um they said they're going to be brave and there will be surprises uh, referring to episode nine i got the impression that jj felt like he had to refresh previous Star Wars moments for a modern audience in The Force Awakens. And now it feels like they have free reign to do what they want. Apparently, they had no interference from Kathleen or Pablo or the Lucasfilm Story Group. Nine is also the film which unites all three trilogies and brings everything together. That's all they would tell me. And he goes on to say, I worry a little bit that the questions I was asking uh, JJ and Chris Terrio were too leading. I was speaking to Chris and he was talking about the original trilogy. I said how I grew up with the prequel trilogy and the prequels were my entry point into Star Wars. I asked about elements of the prequel trilogy coming into 9 and Chris said about how 9 unites all of it. He said 9 definitely makes it feel like they're all happening in the same universe and there would be prequel elements in 9. It could be something that's visual or thematic. He didn't overly say um, that there would be returning planets or characters from the prequel trilogy or anything. So yeah cool stuff if this all ends up being accurate and Chris Terrio did say that I think it'd be awesome if episode 9 you know had was just the ultimate culmination of all 9 movies in the Skywalker saga and especially if you know the plan right now is it 
Fortnite to wrap up the Skywalker saga. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, just hearing him you know, say that it's going to be something that unites all the three trilogies and have prequel elements in there, it gets me excited. But at the same time, too, I'm trying to keep my uh, excitement and expectations in check because, like I said, uh, this is coming from a Reddit user, you know, off someone who said he spoke to him. And, you know, we got to take a little bit of great assault, like I said that before. But if it ends up being accurate, no one's going to be happier than me <laughs> to see episode nine unite all three trilogies and have some prequel elements in there. So what do you think about this? these comments coming from Chris Dario here, Paul? You know, I think that a lot uh, there's a lot of Star Wars people ripping Star Wars Newsnet for posting this and as like as news and saying like it's a Reddit user and you know and and here's the thing um it was weird that he I will say it was weird that he said they has no, they had no inter, they have no interference from Pablo or, and like I want to I think people should realize that Pablo isn't I mean I, I'm assuming the story group aren't creators necessarily they're just kind of organizers more than anything yeah you know mm. so I, he so i mean I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't have any power but i'm just saying i don't know if he necessarily if if he would ever yeah. have can, yeah, go ahead sorry no yeah i'm sorry i was just gonna say it's not like a jj has to check with pablo's story group it's no. the other way around yeah exactly like i mean what jj says they have to work around with and all that stuff mm-hmm. so, i mean there's, yeah. there's certain parameters that they have to go with and i think that you know he checks in with pablo with certain things i'm sure like asking him questions but i don't i don't think that he's as you know depending on the you know again he's organizing story i don't know if he's cre- i mean i'm sure he's he's suggesting things for stories mm-hmm. but he's not like creating like you know i'm gonna write you know i have this idea for a character and i we need to i want to maintain this this and this and they hire someone to do that for him no no, i I think that people you know they pitch things to them and then they say yeah you can do this but you have to do this and this and this so that was kind of a weird comment i'll be honest um i know people were kind of ripping the him a little bit the the person who wrote that saying that like doesn't make any sense and yeah that was kind of weird but at the same time, if you go back and listen to some of these old interviews with both Lucas and with, um, oh my gosh, the guy who just got fired from episode nine, uh, Colin Trevorrow. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if you go back and listen, grab a couple quotes, what they're saying lines up with what they're saying. Um, or excuse me, what JJ, what JJ and Chris are been, what told this guy kind of lines up with George and Colin Trevorrow. And what that is, is um, when George first sold the, the rights and everything of Luke or rights, the Lucasfilm to Disney in an interview, he actually says the trilogy to end all in tr- the trilogies. Like he kind of, I'm paraphrasing, but he mentions that the, it's, he kind of in passing that this is kind of the, the trilogy to the end, like, almost like he ended it. It's what it seemed like mm-hmm. he said. And um, and then Colin Trevorrow had said that this is going to bind everything together. So um, including, you know, it's going to it's reflecting not just three films, six films, but nine films. And that's actually a direct quote from Colin Trevorrow. So when I when I read that, I was like, cool. This is a, this. Is, I remember thinking like this kind of lines up already with what they're saying, and people are going, "Why would they talk to this guy about this stuff?" I'm like, because that's obvious. I mean, I, I think they're just. I think they want to confirm to the to to the fans and to this kid 
or a guy, I should say, he was a kid, um, to this guy that, hey, you know what? That we understand that this is, you know, this is this is the this is episode nine is is a is. Think about this. I was just thinking about this now, Tim. You know, handling episode seven is huge, right? Like you have like all the stuff, but now you have to stick the landing. And if this is indeed the end yeah. of the, the you know Skywalker saga, or if it's going to be the end of um, the trilogies or whatever, then um, or the of saga films as we know it, then this is a giant movie that you have you you couldn't ignore the the first three films. You know, you'd have to incorporate everything. I would think. And so it's even I feel it's even more pressure to deliver that than than the start the start the trilogy because you know I mean you have to now you have to you have to wrap everything up and if you're wrapping everything up it sounds like you have to wrap up you know nine films worth of material it sounds like you know that you yeah. expectations so what they're saying doesn't surprise me and I and, and is it 100% accurate Mm, probably not, but is it? I think when there's smoke, there's fire, and I think they he they probably told him like a little bit, like. But I think that stuff has already been said, so I don't. I'm not surprised, and it only lines up. So, yeah, I I think what 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 it said. It sounds like it's it's pretty accurate. Yeah, like right now, my personal opinion on it is I'm believing it and that it is accurate right now. Uh, but like I said, at the same time, you can't be 100 percent sure, of course. So, but. It does. It just makes sense for it to be that way too, and like you said, episode nine, the culmination of you know just being the trilogy to end all trilogies in a sort of way for Star Wars at least. And you just think of all the mythology that is probably going to be covered in there if that is indeed the case. And to me, that's just exciting. And regardless of you know whether it's true or not, just the possibilities of the excitement of how awesome episode nine could be. Because I agree with you in the whole where there's smoke, there's fire type of thing. So, and you brought up some good points with Colin Trevorrow saying something similar to that. And while probably most of, you know, we know the script's getting a complete rewrite. I'm not, I'm sure they're not abandoning every single story aspect of that was, you know, kind of thought out or agreed upon when he was writing it and going over the story, probably with Kathleen Kennedy and the story group and all that. So there's got to be stuff that's still making it into JJ's episode nine. So that's probably something that would be, you know, having episode nine be the culmination of all nine movies. So, yeah, we'll see if it ends up being accurate. But at the same time, too, I couldn't help but being excited when I read that, especially hearing about the prequel trilogy element stuff, because I would definitely want to see more of that in these movies. It looks like we, I think person think we're going to get more of that in episode eight. And if it continues within episode nine, that's going to be great, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, not only cool that, uh, you know, that we got the announcement not too long ago that, JJ was coming back, but now we're start. The rumors are already starting to come in mm-hmm. for episode nine, which is always exciting. So, yep, yep, yep. If, I should ask you, Paul, if everything goes the way you expect mm. it to with episode eight, and not you know going in spoiler free for the most part, and not following news and rumors, are you planning to do that for episode nine as well? Absolutely, I'm doing. I'm pretty much doing that for almost all um, Marvel films, DC films, and, and, and specifically Star Wars. Um, probably more strictly with Star Wars. Um, I'm pretty much watching only, I think with star Wars, I'm going with the first teaser, the first trailer. And after that, I'm done. Like there's, I spoiled myself rotten for the force awakens and it didn't ruin my experience. I still love, I still had a great time in the movie. Um, in fact, I think I probably would, I'm, I'm glad I, I knew kind of what I, what I, what I knew going into it at the same time, 
you know, I, I went in pretty clean with Rogue One and I was blown away. And I'm wondering if that might have something to do with it. I don't know. Because um, I love Rogue One to death. I, I, I That could be, you know, part of it. So I'm going to go in. I'm going in pretty clean with all this stuff. And with Star Wars, you know, I avoid spoilers for the most part. And I, I want to see visually everything as in context as much as possible. So, yeah, you can bet you bet your bet your hiney I'm going to do that. I might, <laughs> I might even be more strict with episode nine. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go no trailers. Oh, wow. I'm, <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But maybe that is something I could right. never, ever do. <laughs> I couldn't either. Yeah, so, for, yeah, I'll do the same that I've been doing for all these movies. Early on, like got some of the rumors going on, but as we get closer and closer, I kind of limit myself. But uh, we talked about this too before, Paul, how episode eight, we didn't get as much like rumors and stuff as we did for the force nope. awakens. So nope. 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 I wonder if, you know, what's going to go back to how force awakens is now that JJ and bad robots involved with episode <laughs> nine again, if, you know, that was the reason yeah. we haven't got as much episode eight rumors and leaks and all that. Well, cause even rogue one and Han Solo, like they didn't have that many leaks either. So, I mean, I know rogue one had a few, but like not even near, like mate or, uh, uh, Force Awakens had a ton of leaks. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, set pictures, concept art, descriptions, and everything pretty much. Yeah, I mean, so you know, I, I someone had had gone out and said uh, that uh, on a on, I think it was FJ DeSanto on uh, Rebel Force Radio. He had said that you know back in uh, I think in April in celebration, he said he said it's obvious that all leaks for Episode Seven came from. <laughs> JJ JJ's camp because we haven't got near that stuff and I I have to agree I think there's probably here's my prediction it there's gonna be a tighter lid but there's gonna be a little bit more which but here's but here's the ironic thing about this Tim this will be the longest we have had for a Star Wars film between films for a while I mean yeah I mean, it's only what like a year and a half so it's not, it's not mm-hmm. like that long but what I'm saying is I think the, the the I think the fans' anxiousness to get a more Star Wars information because we won't have a movie for a while, like that's going to be starving. So I think there's going to be a more of a um, what's the word a need not a need, but there's going to be more of like a, a craving for yeah, it. yeah craving for it because so I think and I think people want to supply that because they'll say oh man like people are really excited I, I you know if they're working for JJ they might be like oh I should probably send this to making Star Wars or something I don't know I mean. Especially too, depending how episode eight ends, if it like ends with a big question or a cliffhanger type thing, where fans are going to be dying to know the answer or what happens next, depending on where it ends, that's just going to feed to that hunger and craving for those type of rumors and stuff for episode nine. Like you said too, that's a good point. How it's going to be a little longer, of course. We're talking like spoiled Star Wars fans already. Oh, we got to wait a year and a half now instead of a year. (laughs) And I was just thinking about how awesome it's going to be with six months between movies, but. Got to go back to the prequel days for me, where it was every three years, and how a year and a half is still really good. But at the same time, it's not going to feel that way. It is going to feel probably very long between episode eight and episode nine. So I think how episode eight ends is going to be very interesting to, you know, just as we're talking about too, if it is divisive amongst fans and just how much of a craving it is going to create for episode nine, depending on the story it took the characters and how it ends. Because I am expecting The Last Jedi to not necessarily end on a cliffhanger, but just with maybe more questions than we were expecting 
because we're expecting some answers in The Last Jedi, especially in regards to Rey. And while it looks like we're going to get those answers, there's going to be probably uh, big new questions that are raised in the movie as well. That's going to, you know, we're going to be thinking about for the next year and a half. And mm. like I said, it's just going to, at least for me anyway, if, if I do have that reaction where it's like, oh man, I just, I need to find out what's going on or at least get a little bits of teases and hints to where a story direction might go. I'll probably be looking at those rumors pretty early on <laughs> if mm-hmm. they come out. So yep. it's going to be a fun ride leading up to episode nine, even though it's going to be a little longer of a wait. So yes, it's going to, you know, we'll be starting that adventure pretty soon. <laughs> so. Yeah, seriously. It's gonna, six months from now. We'll be like, all right, next one comes out for not for a while. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause we should be, you know, thinking about all like uh, rumors or, leagues of stuff for the Han Solo movies and that's the next one but like I said that's so close after The Last Jedi it's kind of be like we're ready for episode 9 and then the Han Solo's movie is just a nice cool new Star Wars movie to go enjoy so close but at the same time we're still craving all that episode 9 uh, information too so it's going to be an interesting time that's for sure where we're super excited for episode 9 but we got a brand spanking new Star Wars movie right there in the summer so yeah should be excited for the last Jedi right now, but man, next summer or spring, whatever you want to call it, and that May summer movie season, it's going to be pretty exciting. So can't wait to get there. But that's going to do it for our movie news that we got for this episode. We're going to shift gears over to some video game news. And uh, first up, about, I want to say a week ago, uh, EA and DICE released a new uh, trailer for Star Wars Battlefront 2, but this one is just for the single player campaign. That's all it focused on about Inferno Squad and Iden Versio and the adventures that she's going to go on in this single player campaign. So uh, I thought it was cool. It was mainly just cinematic footage, not too much of the gameplay was shown. But I did like how. Now, first off, did you see this trailer, Paul? Yeah, I did see this. Um, okay. Yeah, Want to make I, sure if I don't spoil anything. Oh, no, <laughs> here, no, no. no. I, yeah. Okay. I, 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 uh, it was funny. I was thinking like, do I want to get spoiled in this? I'm like, man, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, you know, whatever. Mm. You know? So yeah, the, some of the cool stuff that I thought that it showed, probably my favorite shot of the soul trailer was seeing Naboo and how it's probably going to be a planet mm-hmm. and a level we're going to experience in the single player yeah. campaign, because obviously we knew it was in the multiplayer, but know that there's going to be some story elements on there. It was really cool. I just love that shot of, we see the familiar landscape of Theed in his palace, but you see an Imperial transport carrying some AT-AT walkers over there. It just looks really cool. And the, the nice blend of prequel trilogy and original trilogy, you know, designs and elements coming together for a cool shot. So I love that. And then also one of the big reveals we got that Maz Kanata is going to play uh, somewhat of a role in the single player campaign as uh, they showed her in the trailer in one of the cinematic scenes. So yeah, those are the two big things that I took away from the trailer. Just, you know, get me more excited to play it. So I thought it was a well-put-together trailer focusing on the single-player campaign. So what did you think of it, Paul? Yeah, I, I thought it was. It looked really fun. Um, you know, as as people know, that me, you, and, and Cal are big Battlefront fans. Battlefront fans, excuse me. Can't talk tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, the single-player campaign is something that I never was like, I have to have this. I can't believe you don't have a single-player campaign. Oh, my God. This is just crazy. So, you know, I wasn't one of those people. <laughs> I was not John Boyega, okay? Uh, <laughs> um, no. Yeah, we got to thank John Boyega for the single-player no, campaign. <laughs> no, at the same time, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big Destiny fan right now. Or I, I have been. I've, I've loved that game. I played the first one. I'm, I'm just, 
going crazy on the second one. Um, I like I like the campaign mode. It's fun. Um, I don't need it was for Battlefront because I love multiplayer. I play with all my friends. So, but I, I know why people people like it. So, um, watching the trailer was cool. I mean, I'm really excited to kind of go into the deeper uh, kind of a little story mode for Star Wars video games because, as we know, in our story later on, we don't really have one coming out for a while. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So this will. So I'm actually excited about that. Um, I'm hoping it's long. I'm hoping fans are satisfied with it because I'm really tired of, of people complaining about the old Battlefront game that, like, you know, it didn't have a campaign mode like the other systems did. And I'm like, what, I'm not sure what I, I didn't. Pl- I mean, I don't. I don't think I played the campaign mode for the original Battlefront, or I think I did, and it was like the same thing as playing regularly. I don't know, whatever. But um, that being said, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of it, it's whatever. I mean, it's. I'm going to play it. I'm hoping it, that's my fear is that it's showing us all that it's going to be in that trailer. And, or as far as like what we're going to get, like maybe a little bit more than that, but not much. And that's what kind of worries me a little bit is that, you know, it, it looks like it's pretty self-contained. And so I'm hoping that I'm hoping it's long enough for fans. And, and the trailer didn't give me any indication of what it is as far as length wise. So, if not, it only made me. It almost felt same. It felt like it was going to be short still. So we'll see. I don't know. Do, do we know how long it's going to be, Tim? Did they or did you ever get a report on that? Well, uh, just a few days ago, actually, I saw. I think it was from PressStart.com that they're saying uh, they're told that it's going to be about uh, five to seven hours for a single player campaign. Which for me, I think is acceptable. I was just worried that it's going to be something real short, like four hours, and that was it. Because to me, that would be too short. But at the same time, it depends on the player too. Something, something that's maybe five to seven hours, someone can breeze through maybe in four hours and or three hours even. So, I kind of have a feeling it is probably going to get complaints that it's on the shorter side, um, just from that general five to seven hour length that they're talking about. Because I'm sure people can beat it sooner than that. But that's enough for me actually. So, um, I, if anything, I just got to say. I just don't want it to be another Force Unleashed 2 where <laughs> you could pretty much beat that game in like two to three hours if you wanted to. Uh, bringing up bad memories of disappointment for that one. <laughs> but if the campaign's longer than that, it should be good, which I assume it will. And that was one of the things that I liked about showing in this trailer that we'll be going to Naboo because um, in that video that came with the beta and they put out not too long before it where John is narrating, he's talking about all the modes and uh, maps and characters and all that stuff there was that part where it showed the single player side of like what maps are going to be in the single player campaign and there were only four that were there and that got me thinking mm, is that what's only going to be in the single player campaign but then uh, as we were talking uh i believe we talked about this on our battlefront 2 beta episode how uh, kyle was saying no that's probably just you know the exclusive maps that are only going to be for the single player campaign and there should be some that you see in the multiplayer also in the single player campaign. And it looks like Naboo is going to be one of those planets. So that, you know, gave me a little more confidence that it should be, you know, a pretty, uh, you know, standard length campaign. That's that's the thing. I think it's going to be standard because some, most first person shooter games now aren't really too long. To me, the ideal length would be somewhere between 10 to 12 hours, but the five to seven hour length uh, is kind of what they're saying here is pretty standard now for i think for shooters and i'd be okay with that i just don't want anything on the short four hours side so uh, we'll have to see once we get it but 
I think it is going to be some how we're talking about the last Jedi being split amongst fans. I could see that same thing going with the battle yeah. campaign story too. You're going to have yeah. some that, you know, probably really enjoyed it and enjoyed the story, but others who complain that it's too short and couldn't get invested in it as well. Yeah. So yep. we shall see. But as you were mentioning, Paul, <laughs> oh, this man. might be the last single player campaign Star Wars <sighs> game we have for a while because <laughs> some real surprising news came out not too long ago where um, not only is Visceral Star Wars game moving to another developer, but Visceral Studios is being shut down by EA. Yeah, this came out on October 17th. EA uh, put out a press release uh, talking about, you know, wanting to give an update on the Star Star Wars game by Visceral because we haven't heard about anything for a while. And it was still supposed to come out, I believe, in 2018 because they announced that this is a while ago that Star Wars Battlefront 2 would be the first like annual Star Wars games from EA coming out now and 2018 would be Visceral's and since we haven't heard anything about it started questioning if it's still going to make that date but now we know that that's not the case so yeah this Visceral Star Wars game looks like to be no more and the studio sadly has closed so um, let me just read a little bit of the press release from EA about this they said our Visceral Studio has been developing an action-adventure title set in the Star Wars universe. In its current form, it was shaping to be a story-based, linear adventure game. Throughout the development process, we have been testing the game concept with players, listening to the feedback and, and what and how they want to play, and closely tracking fundamental shifts in the marketplace. It has become clear that to deliver an experience that players will want to come back to and enjoy for a long time to come, we need to pivot the design. We will maintain the stunning visuals, authenticity in the Star Wars universe, and focus on bringing a Star Wars story to life. Important, importantly, we are shifting uh, the game to be a broader experience that allows for more variety in player agency, leaning into the capabilities of our Frostbite engine and reigniting central elements of the game to give players a Star Wars adventure of greater depth and breadth to explore. So, yeah, when I first read this, um, I got to say, I've I was on the more disappointed side and a little, uh, just maybe the old man gamer in me, I guess, coming out because just reading this statement, I just thought, oh man, this, they're shutting this down and moving it over because they don't want it to be just a single player campaign game where, you know, the trend right now is amongst gamers, a lot of multiplayer stuff. Almost everything has to have multiplayer or be multiplayer centric. And I just thought to myself, what's wrong with, just getting a cool Star Wars game that is single player, we enjoy the story, and that's it. And that's the type of games I love to play. I've been playing games like that for years and was excited about getting a new Star Wars game like that uh, with this current generation of consoles and having it look amazing. So I was disappointed in that regard because to me it sounded just more like, you know, a money and financial situation move where they can get the most out of this game if they change it to a more multiplayer uh, direction. Uh, for that so that's what kind of left a bad taste in my mouth when I first heard this announcement and the fact that they were closing the studio but and I don't know if you had a chance to read this whole article Paul because it is pretty lengthy but oh I did okay <laughs> yeah over on Kotaku uh, they posted an article that pretty much laid out all the details on what happened with this role in the development of the Star Wars game and it from reading it it was off to a rocky start, the sound like yeah. from the get-go. So and almost had no chance of hitting the target that they were planning for with this because pressure from EA, the studio, 
developers, you know, having some issues with just working with the Star Wars license in general and the uh, problems, I'm using a quotation marks, what that could cause for certain developers of their view of it. And then bringing on uh, Amy Hennig from the Uncharted, Uncharted games and, you know, her having her creative vision clash with some other developers when it came to her working on level design and not actual story, which was her expertise. So just a lot of stuff that led into this game, you know, not to to being canceled and never really getting off the ground in a good spot. So I kind of shifted the, my way of thinking on this as far as, you know, just being upset that they're canning a single player campaign game because it's not they can't make enough money off it for multiplayer. And I think that still plays a part of it in their decision making. But it seems like just from a development standpoint, it was never really off to a good start and almost really didn't have a chance to succeed. So while it is disappointing, that article from Kotaku shed some more light on the situation as far as it not. Yeah being something that was just so sudden and came out of nowhere and just a shift they wanted to make just because they wanted to make more money off it to be multiplayer. So yeah. So what's your take on all this fall? (laughs) Man. So it was really, I I was not surprised that they canceled it. Now I want people to know I'm not a gamer like Tim and Kyle are. They're more gamers than I am. Um, I'm more of a late gamer right now. I I mean, you know, got my Xbox uh, three uh, Xbox one a couple years ago and I've been just, I pretty much just played Destiny, Battlefront, and I played a little bit of Shadows of Mordor. Um, uh, that, that's what it was called, right? Shadows of Mordor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't. I was, I was, yeah. Anyway. So. Um, so I pretty much only played those games, and um, I've had a you know I'm not I'm not a big gamer person. Um, I have played Knights of the Old Republic. Um, I love and I love that game. So. Um, I know that the thirteen thirteen that was supposed to come out a couple of years before the sale was supposed to you know change video yeah. games. It seems like um, all this stuff. So I was anticipating like just another Star Wars game, and um, and so when we weren't getting news very much about it, and we were you know going through celebrations, going through you know you kind of thought they would probably have to work on this. I mean, again, I don't know video games very well, but I thought. You know, they've announced this for a while and they don't really have anything to show for it. Like that was the biggest telling thing for me because I feel like if they would have had something more substantial, like more of a story thing. And I know me and you had talked um you know a couple of days ago about this very thing. And I, I think we I, I mentioned that you know there's that leak of information from from to making Star Wars over the summer. Yeah. Um that pretty much was one hundred percent accurate. And what's hilarious is that um, I think they released that just to try to see if they could save the game, what like a hail mary, in wondering if the Star Wars fans could you, would fall in love with what they were doing, and that people that EA would see that and then invest more time and energy into finishing the game because Star Wars fans were so abuzz about it. But as we and then that's my own you know conspiracy theory and. From what it looks like, it did not happen. I, I remember we were we would talk about the game, and I was like, you know, we we both it sounded cool, but like we both were disappointed the fact that it was it took place between episodes, you know, four and five, and which is like everything it seems like takes place in that time frame. So when that um the article came uh, came out yesterday, and I finally read it this morning, I was blown away by a couple things. Um, 
just the fact that you know they that EA one waited so long to shut the game down doesn't that was yeah. a terrible decision. That was a terrible decision. Um, you know, you just think about why you know you know I know they wanted to make it work, but like. You know, one of the things the article kind of highlights is the fact that it's run out of San Francisco, and that's one of the most expensive areas in the U.S. Mm. Then, if you know that, then why don't you just move Visceral Games and say we're going to move this to video game department somewhere else? And you know, if you want to go, here you go, and we'll move somewhere else. But we can't, you know, financially, you know, run this comp this the side of EA in San Francisco anymore. It's just too expensive. You know, yeah, while they, it's always said how understaffed they were too in the development of this game, which was yeah, a, a big problem. Mm-hmm. And, and so in, in, in the article, and I recommend anyone who is interested in video games who hasn't read it, you need to read it. It's a fascinating read, honestly. Like I'm not, a big, I'm not a big video game person, and I was blown away by a lot of the things that were revealed. I mean, it, it seems like they were, they were getting staff, they were losing staff, they couldn't keep anyone on. I mean, there's a lot of things that just were like, whoa, this is crazy. And this went on for years, and it's like... I just, you know, we're, you know, working for a company, if something's not working for a number of years, I, I would have to sit down and say, this isn't working. Like we need to like restart. And it took them this long to figure it out. Like literally a year before the release date, like and obviously like, yeah, about a year. Cause they were released at this time next year. Mm-hmm. Like they waited a year before release date to say, you know what, we're scrapping, you know, essentially they're scrapping it. Um, one thing in the article that really kind of jarred me a little bit, and 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 I understand where the person was coming from. Now everyone's anonymous in in, the, in there. There's no one who puts their name on it, so we have no idea what if this if this was an exact direct quote. I think it is, um, but basically, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. Uh, one of the anonymous uh, designers or or whoever was working on the game uh, went on record saying, and I'm going to say quote. Um, they said, um, with with Uncharted, they can build any world they come up with because it's their world. With Star Wars, you have to have that back and forth. People think, oh, it must be so cool to work on Star Wars. It actually kind of sucks. Mm. And I read that, and then the first thing I wanted to say is boo-hoo, dude. Like, seriously. Like, you're going to complain about working on probably the biggest franchise ever right now like i mean when i say franchise i'm saying like you know like uh nope. proper you yeah, know yeah, like you're I, totally I right on that what's I'm bigger than star wars about, like, and entertainment yeah, yeah. yeah i'm not talking about like mcdonald's and all that stuff that's that's different that's franchising but anyway um but no we're talking about you know franchise property this is the bit you can't get bigger i'm sorry and i'm big i'm a huge marvel guy star wars is bigger than marvel it is it's it's its own entity like mm-hmm. You know, and um, so you're telling me that you're complaining that, you know, it sucks because you have to, you know, you take basically the article says, you know, in, in more of the context of the article, it's saying like, oh, it sucks that you have to go wait so long to get, you know, things authorized. Like everything has to be looked at, like the gun, the the ship, the, the t- way they look, everything takes a lot longer than normal because of Lucasfilm's involvement. And I'm just like, boo, what do you expect? You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you and like in my I tweeted this out and, and it, it's it I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, you did you expect the the Lucasfilm to be nonchalant about it? I mean, be like, oh, yeah, just do whatever you want. We don't care. I mean, no, 
I mean, yeah, this especially is a, on a story-driven game too. Yes, I mean it's like I mean like you can't like what did, you can't expect a quick turnaround because they're busy doing other things besides you know making video games. They're making you know comic books, books, and those things called you know motion pictures. Maybe you know I mean <laughs> like they've got a lot of stuff going on. And of course, like it's par for the course. You know what I mean? Like to me, that just screams bad management. That screams bad, like um, everything going up top. Because you know, if they're waiting for so long for stuff, isn't isn't there other things they could be doing too? In the in the in the meantime, I mean, I just that to me screamed like privilege and like you know being like, well, I just you know other games we can just do what we want. It's like, well, this isn't other games. This is like Star Wars. This is a property that's it's bigger than anything you're going to work on, which is for better or for worse, it's going to have a lot more hands in the cookie jar and a lot more cooks in the kitchen, you know? So get over it and do your damnedest, you know, is what I kind of want to say. So it's just kind of I, – I, I, I know I'm sounding kind of fired up about it, but it does. It kind of fires me up. It's like I would never – if, if Lord willing, if Lucasfilm ever hired me for anything, which they won't, but if they ever <laughs> did, and I expected them to basically let me just have, you know, almost complete control over what I did and was like frustrated that it took them forever to get back to me. You think I'm going to be ungrateful for this or I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, Lucasfilm, I can't believe you're taking so long to get back to me to approve this uh, story idea that I had, you know, or gun idea that I had, or blaster idea that I had that, uh-huh. you know, it, no. I mean, it's like you're going to, I mean, I understand. It's, I don't, I'm not in their shoes, and I'm sure it is frustrating. But at the same time, it's like, again, what do you expect? And that, to me, speaks to the management more than the employee because the employee should, you know, maybe this is manager complaining, but that person should know like, this is, this is the hand you're dealt, man. Like this is, this is no different. Like you're whoever, there's plenty of people that would love your position that are going to be like, I'll gladly wait for authorization for a blaster design or, you know, story idea because I know I can, you know, do other things in the meantime. I mean, I just, it just screamed to me just privilege and just kind of snootiness a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I just, I'm glad they're not working on the game anymore. Hopefully that person's not to be honest. Cause you know what? Like star Wars needs people who are passionate about the project, not people who are like passionate about making video games and just that alone. And that's it. Like they need, mm-hmm. I, you know, if you're going to make a star Wars, I want people who are who appreciate and love the material, not just people who are just good at making video games. Because you know what? If you love the material, if you love, if you have a reverence for it, you're going to put a little more TLC into it. It's just to me, it's it's, it's it is just uh, it's common sense. So I I'm I'm actually you know in the article it talks about moving this you know and and obviously in the press release too moving things to Vancouver EA, which in the article it sounds like EA is basically, you know, created all these different uh, studios because they just have, you know, they need to spread it out and the cost of living alone is just, you know, they need to get it out there. Um, and it sounds like, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of glad they're starting over from scratch. Everything, it's not, I mean, what they were doing sounded kind of cool. Like you were going to go through like Jabba's Palace and like that alone was like, okay, that's kind of cool, you know, for me because I'm a huge Jabba's Palace guy. Um, but in the end, I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I want a story that's, you know, 
I want a story either after Jedi or before Phantom Menace. I want to go to uncharted territories. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's do something a little more creative. I know in the article also they had a pirate idea, um, which um, I remember they kind of teased that a little bit when they first took the property over. They almost thought everyone thought it was a Han Solo game, um, but they had that. Yeah, the that was a rumor pirate. going around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and it wasn't far off because there was a pirates, there were smugglers, so. Because of their, you know, all these things that they did for the pirate game, they just for this pirate, you know, you know, you know, ARG pirate uh, game that they were working <laughs> on, they they find they were going to transfer all that material into uh, the Star Wars game, which I thought was kind of cool. I'm like, okay, okay, that's that's interesting, you know. And another thing, I'm sorry, I'm talking so long, Tim. Uh, but no, another thing good. that was really interesting in the in the article, and this, and again, this I will understand where they're coming from is that when the creative people sit down with these EA executives and they, and they, and, and the, one of the problems with having a, a franchise like star Wars, is they say, where's Chewbacca? That's one of the quotes. One of the yeah. EA executives is like, where's Chewbacca? Where's lightsabers? And they're like, we're trying to tell a different story. And they're like, you know, well, and I remember one of the, one of the quotes and I just love that one of them said this, they go, FIFA sells us like makes us billions every year. What are you doing to, to do that? To add to that, it's like, well, you know, I mean, FIFA yeah. also regurgitates the same you know things every year. Everyone wants updated player rosters. It's totally. But my point is, it's a totally different animal. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, I remember too where they had to. I forget. Like every so often, they would have to tell the higher ups like this is what's unique about this game. Like they'd always have to make that pitch. To tell mm-hmm. to tell them what's going to be the draw of this game, like whether it's going to be the the smuggler aspect, the being able to play as multiple uh, characters mm-hmm. as a team in the story and all that. So they were like under a lot of pressure from EA, totally. Yeah, and what and what sucks about that is like, and again, I'm not a video game person, so I, I don't know, and that's why the article is really fascinating to me because I'm like, wait, that's what that's what they think sells games to people, but I mean, like for you know, and maybe for gamers, that's what it takes to get some people to buy this stuff. But I mean, like to be honest for me, it's like, I think most people just want a fun game that they can play multiple times, whether it be multiplayer, single player or whatever. And I think that, you know, it sucks that there had to be like some kind of gimmick. It seems like that they're going for. And that's kind of the problem with, you know, honestly, and that's, this is the kind of the problem with having this corporate culture is that, you know, if they're not, if you're not moving units, you're not, you're not, you're not doing anything. You're not, you know, yeah. if you're not making, you know, tons of money, it's, it could be the most critically acclaimed game of all time, but if it's not making money, then who cares? So there's a balance that I think they have to get to. And I think that, and I'll be honest, I, I think that maybe making a game with, without, um, a jet or without a Jedi presence is a little bit, um, what's the word? Uh, r- not risky, but it's, it's, it's ballsy. It's a yeah. little ballsy, especially when it's not a familiar character from the exactly. movie or anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I will give them some credit because if I'm an executive, I'm going to think what's going to sell me more units. Obviously it's recognizable characters, but I'm also, if I'm, if, if I'm transported, my whole consciousness is transported into any, an EA executive, right? Mm-hmm. And meaning like I can like I have all my thoughts and I'm sitting down, but I also know like what, you know, I'm realist, you know, but I'm a diehard Star Wars fan. I'm I, I know well, the first thing I would if I was in charge, I'd tell them I'm like, you know, most people that, you know, who are casual gamers or the gamers who are, or I'm sorry, the people who are casual Star Wars fans. That's what you're trying to market to. 
What's going to immediately connect with them? It's going to be Force Jedi lightsabers. Bam. I have to agree with that. Like that is the one thing that I will say that the, that the EA people are probably right on is that you're going to want to have Jedi in that story because you want to connect and everyone loves lightsabers. I mean, come on. They're, they're, they're yeah. like, you know, but it's like R2-D2. But what makes that a little frustrating too at the same time is that we know there's a game in development that's going to have that. That's the game Respawn's working on. Because if you remember that one of the behind the scenes video, I forget which E3 it was, but they showed the different studios that they were working on and the games and Respawn, you saw, saw them doing those uh, motion capture sequences with the lightsabers. So, I mean, we don't know what type of game that's going to be, but if they're doing like pre-production stuff and motion captures with people doing lightsaber combat, it's pretty safe to assume that's going to be a feature in the game. So if it is something where, you know, they want that stuff and it's being developed, why can't, you know, they wait for that one and let this game be what it wanted to be and not have to mm -hmm. worry about, you know, right. making sure they're checking off those boxes, what they know will sell like Jedis and lightsabers and all that stuff. It, it, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and, and, I, and I know it sounds like they kind of pitched the same thing back to the EA people, but they kind of said, you know, the, the the visceral people said that this is kind of a game you can like, you know, grow on. They, they tried, they tried, they said that was kind of their last minute pitch or something like that, where they said that, you know, this is something that you can, you know, think of this game as a, like an investment. And I think that's what you kind of have to go into this game, you know, to be honest, because. Um, I think ba something like Battlefront, a multiplayer game, is always going to sell well as long as like it looks amazing. You have the utmost up-to-date graphics, and you have it be as as much immersive as much of a Star Wars experience as possible. Like those games are always going to sell. You put a, a fun campaign on it, and you make you give it as much variety as you can. We're going to buy it. Like right, like Star Wars fans mm -hmm. are going to buy this game. You know whether you're casual or you're diehard. Like if you do that, and it. I mean, they bought they bought the last one and they complained about it, but they still bought it. Yeah, you know, everyone bought EA's it. happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my point is, the next game they put out, and maybe it has to be a little bit safer, so they can build off that and invest and show EA that, like, listen, let's do some things so we can get like so that way they can establish some ground rules for what you know fans want and what they don't want. Because here's the thing. I would be really fascinated to see if they do put out some kind of more of a Jedi-minded uh, single-player story that's a little more recognizable, whether it be your Luke and after Jedi or you're you're in a Jedi in the Old Republic or something like that. If you did that and it didn't sell as well, what does that tell them? You know, and I and we talked too about how I think Star Wars in the in the Destiny format is like peanut butter and peanut butter and jelly, man. <laughs> like I I think it is they're like they are so made for each other like i and i know i've had a lot of reactions on twitter being like no no destiny sucks and i don't care destiny is i'm telling you it is so much fun to play for me i can invest in it like a ton it's it's you know it's a it's a multiplayer but you can immerse yourself in different things I mean, like, I can get lost in, in, in just traveling the different planets. I mean, like, you put that in the Star Wars, it is like you're talking about the, the possibilities are endless. You're talking about constantly putting DLC material in and just keep feeding it, and people are going to eat it up, in my opinion. So, like, take Battlefront, but, like, being able to have an, even more DLCs, and you could, in my theory, again, I don't know games, I don't know if you could do that, but I think the shelf life for that film or for that game like destiny and, and with star wars as like its format 
you're talking like it's got a two year shelf life easy just in DLC material like here's a couple more things and just keep you know people feeding in the that stuff I, I think that's that's that's, that's, that's crucial that's, that's, that's perfect so you know it'd be interesting what, what they where, where they're gonna go down I think the rumor is that's what they want to do and I hope they do yeah. and and if the, and here's the thing if you do that then I think you shouldn't have Jedi into the game. I think that that's where I will say if you did, if you immerse yourself in something like that, then you could do, you could take more chances because you're combining Battlefront and, you know, what, what you know is going to sell well automatically and then see what you, what kind of world building you bring and, and have those side mission things and, and see what you can do. I love it. Um, what's your take on all this? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to lead into next, where what this game is going to turn into now that it's being shifted over to EA Vancouver and looks like it is going to be changing into a more multiplayer focused game. And I'm kind of torn between this because I agree with you where a destiny star Wars mashup has the potential to be pretty awesome. Now I haven't played destiny. I know you love it. And my brothers have played it too. Say it's really cool, but it's just something I haven't got around to. Unfortunately, I want to, cause it does the premise of it. Wait, it does look cool. Wait, your brothers play it too. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they yeah. played it. Sal, the Sal play it. Yeah, I should say him more than my other brother Justin. Yeah, I, didn't, I haven't seen. I, I'm friends with both I'm, I'm, people. I, I'm friends with both his brothers on on Xbox, so I see them regularly on my my friends list. And I, I didn't. I haven't seen Justin play it, but I, have, I think he did I think it like once or Sal. twice. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but Sal does play. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He tells me it's good, so I think it does okay, have cool. the potential to make for a cool Star Wars game. But at the same time, too, it was going to probably just be nitpicky in my fan uh, dreaming of what that would be for a destiny star wars game i want it to be where it's like your troopers set you can do tons of customizations with that whether you're clone troopers storm troopers or first order troopers or a new type of troopers that you can customize as your own go off on the different planets do the story missions do multiplayer missions and co-op and all that type of stuff i think that would be awesome and what it sounds like if they said they're keeping some elements of visceral's game um like when I when I read that, I kind of think it's going to be that smugglers, pirate type thing as as far as characters that you're going to be. So, if th- it could still work, I I could totally get it. Where you can customize your own smuggler and give him different abilities or traits or whatnot. Or if it is going to have a class type thing, where you just customize your smuggler character to be an alien or a human or whatnot, that could be kind of cool too. But it's not what I would be hoping for. For if they're going to do like a shooter slash multiplayer game like destiny in the star wars universe so that's my one nitpick on it like i said it's just my like fan wish if they were to do a game like this and i want it to be more in the trooper realm of things because bungie does such a great job with their character designs and customizations when because even though i haven't played it i've seen some of the character creations for destiny and they look really cool and then going back to the halo games that i have played and the customizations you can do for your spartans and that game are really cool. And I always thought to myself, man, I'd love to do this for mm-hmm. star Wars and create my custom clone troopers. Cause the clone troopers are just made for that. You see all the different variations and colors they have in the clone wars. And I would just love to be able to do that in a game, especially when that's kind of multiplayer driven, uh, like a destiny game would. So at the same time, I think a game like that could be really cool. I'm just a little bummed that it came at the expense of this single player campaign that we were supposed to get. So it's kind of, you know, I'm a little bit torn between it. I think by the time we get this game and see it, it'll probably be cool. 
and hopefully it'll be enough time with lead up. It look, it's looking that way where it's going to be a while before we see this where I'll, you know, kind of get over not getting the single player a game from Visceral, but it's always going to be a little thing that's probably going to be nagging in the back of my mind of what we could have gotten and what is coming. And it's just, I talked to you about this a few days ago before too, how it just seems like this is, we're leading towards a different era of video games where I'm not too excited about where yeah. everything has to be multiplayer or, you know, micro transactions to, you know, get the company making more money and all that. And we were talking about how we're already seeing a little bit of that with Battlefront 2 and the crate system and being able to purchase, you know, higher ranking crates and getting better weapons and all that stuff. And even other games I'm playing like Injustice 2 where the mother boxes you got to get to equip new weapons or an armor for your character. You can buy those if you want, buy the more expensive one to uh, upgrade your characters faster. So I just don't like that whole landscape of where video games are going now. And and I know this is a different case with uh, the situation with Visceral here because this isn't really about... Um, DLC and microtransaction stuff is more on the multiplayer from single player front. But I'm just talking as a gamer. Like I said, I've become like the old man gamer. Well, back in my day, it was just about the single player and some like uh, two player games you could play online and on the couch with a friend or whatnot. But now we got all this stuff where it has to be multiplayer. So I just kind of feel like this is kind of proving the point where single player games are might be, we're going to be seeing less than them. I know they're still going to be there, but it's going to be something that's not the priority for studios and game publishers anymore, where it is going to have to be more on the multiplayer front. I think that's a shame. So, um, yeah, disappointing to get this news about Visceral, but at the same time, too, I think once we do see more of this new game that EA Vancouver is going to be working on, and if it is something that's going to be multiplayer as well as story-driven, of course I'm going to get excited about it depending on what it looks like and how fun the game looks. So we'll just have to wait and see. But it's not going to be something where... I'm automatically not going to give a chance because I'm upset that it's no longer single player and visceral. How dare you? <laughs> you don't have my money. I hate Star Wars now because of you know, <laughs> single player. No, I think that this whole thing is. I understand it's it's Star Wars is kind of being the. Is it no Tim? Answer me this: Is it kind of being the the guinea pig right now of what they what they what they might be doing, like testing that out, like okay. If single player still exists, then if there's one franchise that could support it, it's Star Wars. Exactly. So do you think it could be like a guinea pig? Like how far could we take the single player format and milk it? Like I'm kind of wondering if that's what's going to happen because – I think um, so because like if you're not sure about something, you put the Star Wars brand and name on there. It could even if it doesn't work, you'll get enough people probably to buy it who are interested in it because it's Star Wars, and it would be something to use as a testing ground. Yeah, I guess like you know, again, I, I was I was hearing that, um, and I haven't played this game. I'm asking for it for Christmas, but it's Shadow of War. That's is that the sequel of Shadows of Mordor? Yeah, is that right? Shadow of War it's, apparently has a lot of um, stuff that's kind of it's a great. It's it, I heard it's a it's a you know single single linear story. Um, but there's lots of stuff you need to do to kind of unlock different things to help you that cost money, apparently. Yeah, that um, turned me off on that game. Not so much, well, that a little bit too, where you have to, if you wanted to, you can automatically buy and unlock stuff. But just, this is just coming from a genre that I don't like in video games, which is kind of like the like, real time strategy. I know that's not the focus of the game, but it seems where you have to like micromanage your armies and all that stuff. It's like, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to 
play an action adventure game and enjoy the story. <laughs> that, and that's what happened to me in the last game. I was playing Shadow of Mordor and I was having a blast. And I got to the part where you uh, control your orcs, you know, you can control yeah. them. And I, I totally don't know. What, I'm lost right now. I have no idea what to do. I, have I hate orcs. to say that because I'm such a big Lord of the Rings fan. I hear how I great it is, yeah, but yeah. it's like the gameplay of that just turns me off or like, oh, I'll go play something else. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what happened. And, and I, I'm asking for the sequel for Christmas because I just I, I want to play it. And I'm, I'm eventually going to finish that game. I'm, I, I need to figure that out. But yeah, that but I'm hearing that there's lots of addition stuff that that that's on there. And I'm curious how that's, you know, again, if, if this is if we're going to look at Shadow of War as an, a great example of, of a huge franchise, right, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have now something that's going to be, you know, how, how successful, excuse me, sorry, how successful is it going to be? You know, is it, do they make a lot of money in all the side quests and all that stuff? Do they, to enough to where that, you know, EA might say, you know what, maybe we will kind of dive into that because we have a pretty big, you know, pretty big franchise ourselves. So, you know, I, the possibilities are just, you know, we're going to get all kinds of stuff and I'll be honest, like, well, I I used to think that, but now (laughs) it might just be kind of more one-sided thing. I think in my opinion, I think that EA did the wrong thing by waiting this long, and I, and I think that they did it because they thought they were going to be able to put the game out still. And I think if they if they if they could see the future a little bit better, they would have canceled it a lot sooner. And they yeah. would, you know, obviously, and they would. And so I think we we begin a game, you know, maybe next year still, but would be solely different. So, you know, and to be honest, what's what's also thing about this too. Will they fast track something now because they want to use Star Wars so badly? You know, like is that also a possibility? You think? Uh, might maybe for that respawn game I was talking about. Maybe it depends how further along they are in development, but maybe that's something where they want to get out sooner than they originally planned, or maybe try to extend Battlefront Two and that and its DLC. But mm-hmm. right now the DLC is going to be at least right now anyway. I hope it stays this way free. So. Uh, maybe they'll add something later where it's going to be paid DLC or they'll try to make their money off the crate system in that one. So, yeah, I can definitely see them wanting to do that. I just don't know if they'll be able to. I, I think that it's um, it's something that I think that I'm a, that's the one thing I'm a little worried about, you know. So is it is it you know is it going to be is it some is it star is it star wars going to be something they're just going to milk and throw something out there kind of how i feel battlefront i will give the fair criticism of that that was probably fast tracked and should have been waited a little bit longer but they want to release it with the force awakens so they just rushed it out there and mm-hmm. i think but at the same time i think the game was was definitely under, i think it was underrated to be honest and because uh, i think if it would have came out as as it, it how how we got most of it like it came in with jacku and you got a couple of other dlcs before like if it, that was all actually included together like at once then i think people wouldn't complain as much but because it was a little smaller at first people complained but um yeah i i for one like uh you know i for one like you know like what we got but i'm curious if they're gonna fast track it so we'll see yep it's gonna be interesting so hopefully uh, battlefront 2 lives up to our expectations all the way around because it's gonna be the only one (laughs) in our systems for a a good amount of time i would expect so yeah disappointed to hear but we'll just have to wait and see what ea decides to do on their upcoming star wars games and what they're gonna be so uh we'll just have to wait and see but 
with that, I guess the last thing we're going to talk about on this episode is Star Wars Rebels is back. One of the awesome things of Star Wars we're getting in the month of October. So uh, we've gotten four episodes now, technically two story arcs with the season premiere on Heroes of Mandalore and then uh, last week's episodes in the name of the Rebellion. So kind of want to give our thoughts on what we thought of how season four is off so far regarding Rebels. So I'll mm. throw it over to you mm. first, Paul. What do you think? Oh, okay. of, what did you think of the season premiere episodes, Heroes of Mandalore? Um, season premiere, I thought it was, it's the weakest of the four, to be honest. I think it's definitely the, you know, so because this is the last season of Rebels, it's definitely the worst season opener. Now, is it, is it the worst episodes? No, it's, it, there are solid episodes. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, I just, in these two particular, uh, episodes, I just feel that they're just, it's very underwhelming. Um, for the subject matter that they're they're dealing with with Mandos on Mandalore fighting the Empire, and you would expect to be like you know insanity like Clone Wars style, you know, or or, or Obi Wan Kenobi opens up the door and it's just in, there's chaos, yeah, and everything's just, everything they very paid dis- homage to in the second part. Yes, <laughs> but yes, it wasn't which, quite the same. I, <laughs> right, right. They had, they had a similar uh, scene like that that was definitely not even close to yeah. that. I remember sending it to you and Kyle via text, being like, I told you guys it's the same thing. <laughs> uh, it was, um, it, like I said, it wasn't bad. It was a great scene. Um, oh, my gosh. Um, oh, my gosh. Bo-Katan. What am I forgetting her name? Bo-Katan. Uh, I wanted to call her Tia Surkar for some reason. I'm like, that's, that's <laughs> the place to mean. Um, no, Bo-Katan. Um, Katie Sackhoff, uh, who's a voice actor, actress, um, she, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad, it wasn't, it weren't, they weren't bad. They just weren't great. And, um, I felt like the first episode you end where it ended on and a spoiler alert if you haven't seen these episodes yet. So yeah, again, big spoiler. Um, so if you want to skip us a little bit ahead, um, very, at the end of the first episode, you think that they, that Sabine's parents died. Or Sabrina's family dies. Her, yeah, her brother, brother and her, her mom. brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then literally like two seconds, like a minute into uh, the episode two, they're alive. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh. And like it kind of loses the impact. Yeah. And, totally and so, yeah. So for these two episodes, they aren't terrible. They're not great. I think the budget really, really hurts this these episodes. And – um you know, it just for being a Mandal- Mandalorian centric, they just were very underwhelming. They weren't bad, this underwhelming. Your thoughts, Tim? I'm pretty much in agreement with what you said there. Yeah, they were good episodes, but out of probably all the premieres, it probably was the weakest. And of course, nothing's going to top uh, the first of the season two premieres with Vader. I mean, that's, that's as good as it's going to get. But even the season three premiere, when I rewatched it recently on Blu ray, Steps in the Shadows, that was a really solid premiere for the third season and this one just didn't quite live up to that i would agree and yeah the mando stuff there was a good story in there i will say like the empire using sabine's weapon that she created to destroy and kill her own people that was very impactful and that was a great scene where she goes and sees the dead bodies and starts you know crying and feeling so terrible for you know creating this weapon that destroyed her people and her mother and her brother like yeah that's a really impactful moment and probably a stepping stone for the character to where she's going to uh character development that's going to have her grow into where she goes next but then you said yeah loses some of its impact when her mother and brother just come out and say oh we actually got romantic to 
get out of the blast range just in the nick of time. It's like, oh, of course they did. But it just kind of made me think mm, that's something probably they would have done in Clone Wars, but maybe in Rebels they're just they weren't able to for whatever reason. Maybe being too, you know, something too strong for the younger viewers to see, like one of the main characters losing her family and her mother and brother. So I don't know if that played into it or not, but part of me made me think that because I just think in Clone Wars they probably would have stayed dead. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but that's just what I thought. So, and then probably my biggest complaint about the season four premiere and why I didn't think it was as great as it could have been was what it did with Sabine's character at the end and not having her remain, you know, becoming the leader of the Mandalorians and keeping the Darksaber. I just think it was such a big disservice to her after the growth we see her make in the season three, the episodes of training with the Darksaber with Kanan and how much she had to overcome to claim it and then uh, go back to Mandalore and to confront her mother and, you know, have that fight again. I'm blanking on the character's name right now who she fought uh, for the Darksaber and whose uh, brother was the main villain. Oh, Saxon. 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 There you go. Okay, thanks. Yeah, because yeah. his brother is like the villain in this, these two episodes. Mm, yeah. So, and like the fight where she had to reclaim the Darksaber from Saxon, like those are big, you know, milestones for her character and just showing her growth. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I'll pass the Darksaber off to Bo-Katan. You're, you know, the one who should be the leader. And technically, probably, yeah, Bo-Katan is someone with her experience who would be a good leader for Mandalore. But I just think the growth we've seen Sabine make and the struggle she went to to claim that Darksaber and, you know, to take Mandalore back and for her to give it up so easily, it just felt was kind of a disservice to her. And just kind of how Bo-Katan was quickly brought... It was cool to see her, I agree, but just kind of quickly brought in just for that moment. And I, I like the moment, too, where Bo-Katan was saying how what she sees in Sabine, how she could be a good leader. And I was kind of hoping and thinking that, okay, maybe she would kind of take... Bo-Katan would take Sabine under her wing and mentor her a bit to have her become an even better leader for Mandalore. But no, they turned it to, no, she's just going to hand it over to Bo-Katan and that's it. That's probably all we're going to get for Mandalore this season and where it's left off. So I understand where, you know, Sabine's got to be there with the ghost crew for the remaining episodes. But I thought maybe they could have done it something where she'll leave the Darksaber and the rule uh, or the leader of Mandalore to Bo-Katan while she's gone and once, you know, she settles things with the Rebellion and helps out the Ghost Crew, she'll return eventually to claim it back and resume her role as leader or have Bo-Katan train her some more. I think that could have been a better way to go. But, um, yeah, I kind of get the feeling I'm the only one who thinks that because I haven't seen too much complaints or criticism about that. But I just felt that was kind of a disservice to Sabine. What do you think on that? Yeah, I don't know. I think... I thought the the whole thing was fine to be honest cuz I don't I don't think Sabine wants the role of leader and I think that's been clear because she's kind of she's kind of separated herself from the Mandalorians um with being with the ghost crew and she's kind of an, an outsider that way she was an outsider when she took the when she made those weapons she knew that and she didn't have a problem necessarily doing that um it kind of shows to her individuality of being not a complete, you know, 100% sold Mandalorian. Mm. She has a, it's part of her culture and she, it's a part of her and it'll always be a part of her, but it's not what defines her. Whereas it defines her family. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. So, it totally does. 
Yeah, so I think it made more sense to have someone who, you know, who has like this rich, you know, real deep tie to Mandalore and Bo-Katan and um, having her be the leader that way because she been she's been fighting this for for Mandalore forever. And what's weird to think about too is that Remember, she was like the one who was like on like the bad side in the Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> she, so she was on Vizsla's side, and, and you're kind of like, mm, is she actually? And I thought about this too the other day. I'm like, is she the one that should be running Mandalore? Because wasn't she kind of a bad guy? But she, she they had, she's but there's technically that, there's doing that, the same thing which she's doing in the Clone Wars, wanting to overthrow the current you know regime ruling over Mandalore. No, right. Right to be for yeah, which is funny because before there she wanted to overthrow something that was good. Now she wants to over overthrow something that's evil, so that it's justified. What's but here's what I'm wondering because they make Bo-Katan more heroic in these episodes. Obviously, the siege on Mandalore or not siege, but whatever that those the yeah. episodes that we haven't seen with where the man where Anakin, Obi Wan, Rex, and Ahsoka take on Maul and everyone at the um on mandalore that whole thing is interesting because maybe that's where bo-katan we know bo-katan is there mm-hmm. and maybe she gets redeemed and you reveal herself to be more of a a good person because you kind of see totally that she has so. and plus i yeah. i'd imagine ahsoka you know i guess her qualities rub off on bo-katan probably to become a better person with them working together right yeah 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 so we know they work together and also you see the fact that like she acknowledges you know to, she tells everyone that that's her sister you know and yeah. that he has now she's bitter because she didn't you know she wanted she didn't want to kill her sister she just wanted to take the you know, want to take it back so it's interesting that there's still you know the transition between her being you know bo-katan being uh her it's interesting that you know we haven't got the full transformation on screen or in print yet. So hopefully we'll get that soon. You know, so I, I that's where that's where I'm heading to get those episodes. Oh man! Yeah, I mean, if we got those live, oh, not live action, but we got those animated <laughs> all my in 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 Clone Wars, not in Rebels, freaking Clone Wars. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> give them that Clone well, Wars budget for those ones. <laughs> that's it. Well, <laughs> that's all I ask. Yeah, it's all we ask. We don't we don't need anything else. Yeah. So. That's our thoughts on Heroes of Mandalore. Good, just not great. So, but in the name of the rebellion, mm. now these episodes. <laughs> yeah. These this is more were up some our great alley. ones. Yeah. Yeah. These were great. These were fantastic. Um, yeah. I, I thought it, we, it's funny. We both, I thought the same thing. You, you texted it to me, but I thought the same thing. Or no, I, no, no. You texted it to me. I wrote it in my review for Star Wars Newsnet. That we both said that we wish this was the opener, not you know the Mandalore mm, episodes. Yep. So, which is which is hilarious because it wouldn't make <laughs> sense. That Sabine is like you know it, you couldn't do it. Sure, it'd be, yeah. be making sense story wise. But that being said, these were great episodes. Um, the animation I felt was a little more cinematic, meaning yeah, it looked a little more... opening sequence with the Y-Wings. I mean, just even that clip on uh, Rebels Recon before the episode aired like a week before, that was just amazing. Like, man, this to me, that reminded me of Clone Wars scale of epicness of how yeah, great the animation no, was. No, no, ab- absolutely. It was, it's still not as big as Clone Wars because I think, you know, again, you, the budget's not there, but the look... The designs mm-hmm. were way more up to par, I felt, in these two episodes than compared to Mandalore. And obviously their budget goes to certain, you know, they have to spend wisely. 
in the Mandalore episodes, they definitely scaled back, said, you know, we got enough. We got we have Mandalorians. That's good enough for people, I think, for the most part. Let's spend our money elsewhere. I feel this is where they spent some of that money. It looked fantastic. I thought the animation was top notch. So it's interesting, you know, where George probably wouldn't. He'd give every episode the same treatment, I'm assuming. Um, for the most part, he a, did say on yeah. landing at Point Rain, the Geonosis arc on Clone Wars, he goes, uh, you know, guys, we can't do this for every episode <laughs> as far as uh, of the expenses oh, for really? that one cost, okay. because that was truly okay. cinematic, that episode. Oh, those oh man, I, I got to watch. I got to do a rewatch of the Clone Wars season two, because that's I, season one. I, I've watched a lot. Season two, I, I've watched a decent amount, but not enough as season three and four and five. Yeah, I think season two is feel- underrated because everyone raves about you know yeah. the last seasons, but season two had some great, great arcs in there. Oh, great, fantastic arcs. I mean, you know, so but anyway, um, yeah, so I feel like in the name of rebellion, obviously, Saw Gerrera is like is amazing mm-hmm. um he's he's so good i mean forrest whitaker just he just nails it and i just it just it, it's sad because i want to see more of forrest whitaker as saw like i don't want like I will, i'll take any saw Guerrero i can get but i want more forrest whitaker saw like i love his voice like he does such a phenomenal job um you know there's a couple moments in the in the, in the, in the episodes where are kind of intense like when Mon Mothma and, and Saar arguing yeah, via hologram. Great. Oh, that was fantastic. I'm like, yes, this is, this is what rebels has been missing for so long. I think, I think the first season was great. Second season, lot in third season, or oh, I almost thought the second season was better, but actually I think they're more, or I thought the third season was better, but now looking back, I'm kind of thinking, you know what? They both are the same. They have, they hit, they, when they hit, mm-hmm. they hit, when they miss, they miss. And, I think with seeing Saw and Mon Mothma, like this is what I'm talking about. Like this is like you have you're you're dealing with different aspects of the rebellion, and this is perfect. Like you know, and again, I I love Saw and I love Rogue One, and I love these connections. So, um, yeah, I thought these episodes were great. Um, you know, again, they're, they're scaled down. They're not in like a grand, you know, it's not a grand uh, army war. It's like they're in a shuttle for most of the second episode. But it's great. But it's the the drama and the tension and the and again the the I thought the writing for the episodes were really 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 well done, um, and I think it gave a lot for the the actors to chew on. Specifically, Forrest Whitaker. I thought Forrest Whitaker just was so good, and the dialogue for Saw was so good. You know, I I had minor complaints. There was one point when Saw. Uh, stuns two guards. Yeah, uh, I thought that too. <laughs> and, and that was that was a little weird because he's like this, you know, he's billed as this uh, extremist rebel, mm. and he like has a chance to, to blow these two stormtroopers point, you know, point blank range. Uh, the only thing know, I was it, thinking of where that makes sense, and maybe he had it on stun because it, it was quieter than a normal blaster shot, and didn't want to yeah, alert anyone else. And that's that I didn't think about that, Tim. And that's a really good point. That's a really good point. But yeah, so, but it's definitely weird seeing that. Like, Saw using stun? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that was a little, um, you know, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, I, I was, I was, I was, I wasn't really, in, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. So, yeah, I, the Death Troopers, people were really kind of harping on the Death oh, Troopers. Well, I'll get to that. I, Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you handle that, but I'm probably, we'll get to that. But yeah, I thought these episodes were great, Tim. What do you think? 
Yeah, I totally agree. Just from a story standpoint and from what you said with the writing, a lot of strong stuff was, was saw being the focus of it all. And just even the sequences in the first part where Sabine and Ezra were on that satellite, I thought that was such a cool action sequence that was different for the show because that we never saw before. And like you said, it wasn't a grand scale war battles that we were getting, but it was still like intense, cool action, especially on that satellite that I thought was really great. And yeah, that scene with Saw and Mon Mothma, I just loved how now when you see Rogue One, we can like look back at that scene in Rebels when Mon Mothma is telling Jin about, you know, how <laughs> they're no longer working with Saw anymore and their differences. She's probably could be thinking about that conversation she had with him right there and some of the other stuff he's done, of course. But just, you know, just adds more of that great backstory. That's what I love about these animated series and books for when you watch the movies, you can recall certain moments in like an episode of Clone Wars or Rebels or a chapter in a book that ties in with that and just adds more layers and textures to it. It's just so cool when we get moments like that. And these two episodes had it, a lot of those moments actually. Seeing two tubes was great. <laughs> that was We saw him in the trailer, but seeing him having the same voice talking to Saw, again, just more great connections to Rogue One there. So all that stuff was good. The story of them, Saw still trying to figure out you know, what the Empire is building, which we, of course, know is the Death Star, but little by little, he's finding out little more pieces about uh, this ultimate weapon and then seeing, you know, that uh, cargo ship that they were on carrying the Kyra crystal, I thought was really cool. And we, we kind of got a tease of that in the episode or the first season of Rebels where Kanan and Hera destroyed that uh, Star Destroyer with the Kyra crystal on there. But now, you know, we're kind of the characters are seeing it really close up. And I love how Ezra could sense it, but he didn't know it yet where he said it sounds like someone singing. And of course, through the force, it's kind of, you know, that's his way of sensing the Kyber crystal there. And it brought up another interesting thing too, where Ezra said it's the voice or the singing sound he heard when he constructed his new lightsaber. At least and that's something, you know, we haven't found out quite <laughs> yet just how Ezra constructed his new lightsaber and got the new crystal for all that so i thought that was kind of interesting uh but i'll go ahead and get to my big complaints about it the death troopers as much as i was looking forward to overreacting seeing them again overreacting. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, they were not handled well in my opinion i gotta say i at first it was cool to hear them like now i'm calling it classic voice <laughs> that we heard in rogue one just that you know jam or jam transmission type speaking when Saul opened that door we heard the death trooper with that sound and Saul just shoots him right away and then I'm actually okay with that it's an element of surprise Saul Guerrero is quick on his feet he shoots him and then uh the, the smoke bombs go off and then they just you know kind of get taken out one by one until there's only one left and it's like ah, they're just pretty much being treated the same way all the stormtroopers on this show were treated, which is, you know, not a threat at all and just, you know, incompetence. So maybe the Death Troopers weren't incompetent, but they were just really easily dealt with, which, you know, they should have been made to put up a little more of a fight or at least just say, you know, have Saw say something or to Sabine and Ezra, like, these aren't your, like, normal troopers, like, be on your toes or, you know, like, watch out for them like, because they're, they're elite. But nothing was made of that. Like, have the Death Troopers evade some shots more, you know, maybe have them nick Sabine and her armor because we know she can survive a blast. Darth Vader reflected her blast 
against her and she survived that just to have them show you know they're more capable than stormtroopers but nope they got taken out so easily and yeah so that was disappointing and then i gotta say it took me by surprise hearing the death troopers actually speak basic just hearing them actually have dialogue instead of uh the jumbled transmission type speak that we're used to it just i don't know it took away a little bit from the unique and mysteriousness of the troopers mainly from an in-universe standpoint because we know looking at the visual guides that yeah they're they're humans under there they're specially trained even a little bit like modified modified if i could talk <laughs> enhanced like modified wise so um we know they're human but i like having that element where the characters and the enemies they're fighting they don't know what they are they can't understand what they're saying they're you know bigger than most troopers so this that little mystery but then hearing them just that one trooper just talk just as the normal stormtrooper would it just i don't know it took away from their uniqueness and specialness i thought so and in the end that trooper ends up getting killed by you know she gets taken out by ezra it was cool that i thought they revealed that it was the female death trooper which was cool but yeah that was just cool. in the want to hear i don't want to hear any death trooper speak english now or speak basic i just like that double <laughs> transmission type speak i just think it fits them right. now that that's their thing so it just yeah. you know took a little bit away from their uniqueness that i thought and just how you know they were supposed to be trained specially trained elite troopers and they were taken out just as normal stormtroopers so not the best portrayal of death troopers here but it's not going to take away from my enjoyment of what the overall story and the character moments that this episode delivered. It was still really great. Yeah. So yeah, the Death Troopers uh, is just something I'm probably gonna have to get over while I'm watching it. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I I think you, I agree and disagree with you. I think the them being in, in there and the smoke and not wanting to blow up the Kyber crystal that worked for me because they because they, it's their livelihood. They, they know like we can't just willy nilly start blowing people away because otherwise they could just do that. They just sit back and get to the wall and start just firing the, the blasters everywhere if they couldn't see. Yeah, they and could they have taken cover kind of like they did in Rogue One. Just kind of wait to see someone pop them and just take them out like they're just sitting in that trench. And once that yeah. rebel soldier tried to make a move, they just took off the shot and got them. I just I like to think they're masked, but, but they're special. We didn't see it in Rogue One, but they kind of have the green lenses. Oh, yeah. I was, That's true. I would think those would have been used yeah. to see through the smoke and all that. And also, too, when Saul well, was using yeah. that dead death trooper kind of, you know, to fake out the other one as he was coming through the fog or the smoke, I was like, well, I don't know if he'd fall for that. I think he'd, of, of how specially trained these troopers are supposed to be, I think they should be able to sense that, yeah, that's not a way a normal right. death trooper would be acting. And, just, and then he just gets blasted by Saul. Yeah, I, you know, I just, it, it, I thought I was, again, I, I thought I was fine. I think you're asking a lot for them to do when they're, when they're supposed to be protecting this, like, thing, and they have no idea what they're up against, especially when they have a lightsaber pop-up. So, um, that, that was fine. I will say, I agree with you, though, about the voicing. I thought the voicing was, that was kind of weak. I'm like, really? You kind of ruined the... I mean, I had, it would have been cool if it was like a female voice talking in that gibberish yeah. that it was in the, you know, but like it was weird to have them talk, you know, normal. I was like, oh, really? You had to have them talk normal? So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Like, I, I disagree. I think they're fine how they handle them in, in the show for the most part, except for the voices. They should have kept the, the same gibberish voice, but it's a kid's show. They want to make sure they understand what's going on. So, yeah. you know. It's probably just me being the ultimate 
Death Boy uh, fanboy or Death, Death, Death Boy. Death Boy. Death you Trooper Death fanboy, boy. I should say. <laughs> um, that's probably why I had more nitpicks without it probably than anyone else while watching these episodes. So it, it's probably just on me and something I can have to accept when I watch it. But it's going to be hard once I pop in that Blu-ray and see the Death Troopers get taken out like that. <laughs> but, uh, just get over I know. I have to. <laughs> But they're making a comeback in these next episodes with the uh, Thrawn. So hopefully oh, these are they are they back? Uh-huh. Well, I don't know if they're going to see any action, but we see them like walking down the shuttle with Thrawn. Okay, so that's cool. Hopefully they'll have okay. a better showing than they did in this one. But I yeah I see. And again, I'm I'm, I'm even avoiding Rebels teasers, man. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going yeah, full I'm on everything even... now. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I watched like the obviously the celebration teaser, but that's it or trailer. I didn't watch the one that came out a couple weeks ago. Oh wow! Or before, the, yeah, didn't watch it. No, so sorry if I spoiled the Return of Death Troopers for you, but <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, I mean, they're not. That's not a big of a deal. If you told me like a story point, like Death Troopers came, they killed you know Kanan, I'd be like, oh my god, why did you tell me that? You know, that'd be different. You know, you know what? But, that no. could be redemption for the Death Troopers and Rebels because we're all assuming that Dude. Kanan's gonna die if he get taken out by a story or Death Trooper. Ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be yeah. It, if it was Death Troopers, that'd be kind of boss. That'd be kind of boss. So we'll see. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Like that would be an ultimate redemption for this episode if they do that. So, <laughs> but I have, a, I have a feeling that's just wishful thinking on my part. I think. Right. Yeah, we, ever, we speculated how Kanan's not going to survive the season, but we never really talked about how he's going to go out. It's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, handle that. Right, right, right. Or watch where they do the exact opposite and he ends up surviving. <laughs> that would be more of a he twist than, than dying. Yeah. He survives, takes Death Trooper armor and like uses that for like, the rest of his yeah. life. And then talks a normal thing like through like the weird uh, apparatus <laughs> that the troopers are just to further frustrate Tim. And like, it's like, hey, it's Death Trooper. He said, talk that gibberish. And Kane just tells, hi. And then, through like the modulation. And Tim's like, no, <laughs> you're supposed to talk gibberish. Ah, it's Trooper. <laughs> yeah, as good as a voice actor Freddie Prince Jr. is, uh, I don't want to, even if he is a Death Trooper, I don't want to hear any more basic or English from Death Troopers. How, how, how? How would you do that? How do you do your voice? You go, ah, ah, like, is that, is that good? Yeah, that's not bad, but I think it's like more distorted. I can't believe we're doing this. I'll go ahead and do the outro and Death Trooper <laughs> speak. Oh man, we'll be here for we'll, yeah. we'll be here all week then. Oh, <laughs> I doubt gosh. anyone would continue to listen to the outro <laughs> for speaking that gibberish. Yeah, they're probably already turned it off now. They're like, "This sucks." Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> oh man, ah, Death Troopers, I oh. love them. I know. I know. No secret there. I know. <laughs> yes, we know. We know, Tim. We know you love troopers. I love troopers too. I've got a bunch of them on my thing, uh, or on my bookshelves. I got the the black series. I got the um, I got the, six, the the three and three quarter. That half of them are knocked down because uh, my dog hit the hit the bookshelf <laughs> and they all fell. So yeah, your trooper collection you, easily puts mine to sh- or puts whatever figures I have to well, share. You got a lot more than me. I would- I went crazy. I mean, some of the I I went crazy and bought a bunch. I mean, I was late to the Clone Wars party, and I was on the celebrations. Uh, mostly the Anaheim, I got pretty much 
everything I needed for my trooper collection, like for to kind of get it started again. I had started, you know, getting things here and there, and then I went to Celebration Anaheim and I bought like I spent like two hundred bucks just on trooper, different troopers, like different molds, mm, you know, three sure. quarter molds, you know. So I went nuts, and I, and I bought the one. I did buy I think one or two. I think I got at least one trooper from the last Celebration, and that was the fire um flamethrower trooper from the genionosis arc which is those are awesome which is fantastic oh that's the thing there's just so many cool trooper designs out there where what you see you gotta get them (laughs) well yeah and like in and i have to say the 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 toys the the clone wars toys they're fantastic like they're great three and three quarter yeah see i didn't collect i wasn't collecting pretty much anything during the clone war so yeah i only have a very few that was able to get because I was kind of late in the game with that also. So kind of looking yeah, back I, on I it, spent, I was like, yeah, I should have yeah. been more of a lookout for Clone Wars action figures when it was at its height. Yeah, I went I went nuts. Like I said, I spent I mean, I, I might even spent more than 200 bucks on I, I bought a lot of, of, of trooper molds and to, three and three quarter toys and a few black series. I spent a lot of money, but I wife let me. She let me. So that was nice. That was <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't abuse it last time though, so that shows you I have some restraint. Got some restraint, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. All right, so with that, that's pretty much going to wrap up all our news and discussion topics for this episode. But before we wrap things up, I uh, just want to give some shout outs to some of our listeners on Twitter and Facebook who congratulate us on our milestone 100th episode. So I just want to give a thanks to Neil Laurie at. Laurie Neal, he says, a happy 100 to Star Wars TSC. What perfect timing that a trailer drops on your centennial episode. The Force at work, I think. And I would have to agree. It just worked out so perfectly for us. And then Martin Alman, a longtime listener at Dharmit Studios on Twitter, says, congrats on 100 episodes. Here's to another 100. Then Joseph Golden at CCStar1138 says, congratulations on 100 episodes, guys. Keep up the amazing work. And, keep, and Caleb uh, Klingon at K- Caleb underscore Klingon 5 says, keep it going with triple exclamation points. And Jay Bizzle at the Bizzle 81 says, congrats on an amazing podcast 100. To Kyle and Tim and Star Wars The Saga Continues, you guys define stamina. Holy cow. <laughs> uh, I will say it, when we get a trailer that good, it makes it easy to talk for four hours and maybe possibly even longer if we wanted to. <laughs> the trailer was just that good. And then Chris Spark at cj 59 arc says hey kyle and tim congrats on 100 episodes keep up the great chat and then also on facebook uh, jason birds jeffrey fishbach and our friend joey letson uh congratulates on 100 episodes and <laughs> making some jokes about the length of what it's going to be about being five hours or not being a shocker that we got another long episode so some fun stuff there guys and thank you everyone for congratulating us and listening to the podcast for 100 episodes and hopefully for 100 more. So it's definitely appreciated. So we thank you guys all for giving us those shout outs. But with that, that's going to wrap up this episode. So as always, you can check us out at our website at starwarstsc.com. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. And follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC, where we kind of do our most interaction on social media through Twitter. So that's the best place to get in contact with us and chat with us. And you can always send us an email too at starwarstsc at gmail.com. So yeah, Paul, thanks for joining me. And 
uh, go ahead and tell the listeners where they can find you on social media and your podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Um, also see my other Star Wars podcast that I'm on with Megan and Saf. Um, we are on Blaster Cannon podcast through Den of Geek. Um, the Twitter handle is uh, Blaster Cannon Pod. Canon, Canon is spelled C-A-N-O-N for, you know, the canon. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> play on words there. <laughs> I'm so clever. Uh, it makes so, for a no, great podcast title, though. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tim. You're a supporter of mine, so I do appreciate you like crazy. Um, yeah, so we talk about Star Wars there about once a month. And, uh, you know, right now we'll have my trailer reaction and, and speculation on the next episode. We'll hope and record that maybe next week. Hopefully uh, that goes down. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, hit me up on Twitter and uh, we'll talk Star Wars. All right, cool. Yeah, so again, thanks, Paul, for joining me on this episode. Absolutely. It worked out good. And like we said at the beginning, it was fun to finally have one of our normal chats, but we recorded it for a podcast. <laughs> so. Yeah, this, pretty, it, this really was no different. I mean, really. I mean, it was structured, but that's yeah. normally we roll. <laughs> It, normally, normally I'm all over the place, but no, this is essentially what we have. Like every like every couple of weeks, we'll have like a long, two three hour session of, of playing video games and talking Star Wars and comic books and other stuff. So yeah, it's pretty normal, yep. but still lots of fun. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, so yep. that's gonna wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening as always, and we'll see you next time. And may the force be with you. <laughs>